0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented at Saskatchewan Podcast Network. My name is Mitch, and I'm one of your regular hosts that you hear every single week. And today I am joined by one of my favorite people to talk movies with Scott Hamilton, the film programmer at the Broadway Theater and a member of it you play bass in ken mode
1: ken mode yeah that uh, bass in that band and then well uh, uh, do i play bass in anything else anymore i don't even know
0: anymore man <laughs> just in so many bands <laughs> yeah so you're in ken mode adeline gray light district do you have any new bands that i don't know uh, about
1: yet I, I have a few things that have started in the pandemic that uh actually i literally can't even spoil them they don't have names yet I, okay. I, I i think i've started like three fantasy bands that don't really like just all these little silos of music that don't belong in my prior bands i I gotta stop doing that to no myself. never stop never stop creating <laughs> uh
0: but yeah either way we just finished up at the 11th annual saskatoon fantastic film festival and uh if you listened to our previous episodes before uh, i just want i guess i should give a quick shout out since it's been a couple of weeks since we've recorded um i wanted to, sorry that you have to be here for this but i want to give a huge thank you to everyone who reached out and gave us some positive feedback about our last episode on hereditary with cassie Uh, That was an incredibly rewarding episode for us. We loved talking to her, and uh, it's one of my favorite episodes we've done just because of her presence.
1: She's a great guest. That was a really, really solid episode. Thanks, man.
0: Yeah, no, she was great, and she will be back. Uh, We will get her back eventually. But today, we are going to focus on the 16 feature films that were played at the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. We're going to go from the Monday, like last Monday night, I guess people listening to this, it would be relative, Um (laughs) We, we're going to go from the beginning to the end. And uh, I don't think we're going to talk about every single short film because I think that's just going to...
1: There are so many short films. If you haven't been to the festival before, the the, the formatting basically is that uh, the the programming team always tries to find a complimentary short film to go with it. And it's great. Sometimes I, I always fly the flag on the short films and try to make sure people take them in because on occasion, I think some of the best stuff that's been programmed are the shorts. And that's not really something people are acclimatized to thinking they don't... People don't think about short films. No. Or that, you know, all of your favorite film... Direct, you know, all, all your favorite directors at some point in time probably made really great short films. You it, you know, so there's some really great stuff going on in there and some good early proof of concept stuff. Like but uh going into them that means it's a it, we're we're covering uh what's what's with the math here
0: 32 films instead yeah, of 16, exactly so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i think we'll just highlight uh, like i want to highlight a couple that i loved and i think we'll do that right off the top if you're okay with that absolutely and then get into the and, films
1: and i gotta i'm i'm very i'm guilty on this front because i was working this entire yeah. thing i typically didn't see a lot of the short films so i'm gonna just i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna pull up a seat and i'm just gonna listen okay
0: yeah it, it'll be very quick because i just i uh, I marked down three that I wanted to talk about uh, that I think people should all check out. Um, Granted, like some of these you obviously can't see yet, but just keep keep an eye out for them. And yeah, like you said, this—that's one of the unsung heroes of the film festival—is the short films.
1: And, and another thing too, like if you're listening, like you know, you're already you've you're 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 locked in at this point. So uh, grab a pen and paper because in a lot of cases, these films when they do become available, they'll be free. They'll be up online yeah. because uh, there's not really any way of monetizing a lot of this stuff. So within a couple of years, anything that Mitch recommends is probably going to be just right at your fingertips. So it's good to take notes on on titles
0: absolutely <clears throat> and actually one of them has a blu-ray release right now so you can get it and it's actually it's my favorite one of the festival my favorite short film but uh yeah it's it you can pick it up if you're a u.s listener i think it's very affordable i think with the exchange rate for us it's uh it's a little bit much but because uh, it's you know like exchange rate of the yeah, u.s yeah. i i can't spend 45 on a short film <laughs> like uh but they are ridiculous and awesome uh to say the least. So uh, I'm just trying to find... All right, yeah, I guess I'll just start off with uh, Milk Teeth. Did you see this one? This played before Dinner in America.
1: Uh, I can't... R- run me through it again. For some reason, I'm blanking, but the title is so familiar that it's driving me nuts.
0: Yeah, so essentially what it is is it's a... Oh, my kid, God, yes. yeah, I did a, see this one, and yeah. it was great. Yeah, it's a kid in an orphanage and uh, uh, for a foster home. Sorry, orphanage, foster home. Would uh, I believe in this particular
1: case it would be an orphanage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So he uh, he loses one of the kid loses one of his teeth, puts it under his pillow, and is like, I don't want to spoil anything, and keep in mind these are sometimes six minute short films. <laughs> uh, so it's just it's a really really cool monster like creature feature short film. It gets I a would,
1: lot done in a very short period of time too. Totally. Yeah. And
0: it's got it definitely has like a Guillermo del Toro aesthetic to it, like something like a dark fantasy. Uh incredible practical effects. They look amazing in it. Mm-hmm. And uh they really come up with a creature that I would love to see in a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is our response to Darkness Falls from 2002. Do you remember that movie? I
1: never actually saw that oh, one. Oh, It. bad. The... I always thought it looked horrible. I think that uh, a, a uh, you know, a, uh, I guess if we're trying not to spoil this one, I would say what type of monster is in it. But it, it, the, the the monster in question that's being dis- well, it's got. it's called Milk Teeth, a tooth fairy-like yes. character, yeah. uh, always deserved a good movie. And I definitely haven't seen that yet. This is the closest
0: to it. Entirely agree. And yeah, it's... Uh, So yeah, it's basically just a tooth fairy-esque monster film monster short film and the the creature looks amazing and it's something that i would love to see a feature of
1: and and also for for in terms of like again like a lot of the people who are making short films or maybe just getting started or something like that and a lot of the time will elect to do things a little bit more simply but in this particular case they did the uh, i'm not going to say cardinal sin but they brought in a lot of child actors which a lot of the time people try to avoid and in this particular case like very well played oh yeah totally yeah, kids paid are great. off yeah. yeah
0: it paid off uh, so yeah, that one is, once again, Milk Teeth. So keep an eye out for that one. The next one I want to shine light on is Solution for Sadness. Did you watch this one? This was played before Jumbo.
1: No, I did not, no. Yeah,
0: so this is like, a, it's a comedy, mystery, sci-fi short. It's it's not a horror short at all. Uh, I should also clarify that some of the films we're going to be talking about today are not horror films, mm-hmm. um, but that's, we we do this every year. We like to round up the entire festival and just talk about what we saw uh, but yeah, Solution for sa- for Sadness. The synopsis is, a mysterious package offers a woman a reprieve from her melancholy. Only only its results are more permanent and pervasive than she realizes. It's just crazy funny, goofy, quirky stuff. Uh, if you look it up, it, it, you see you didn't see this one. That's the no, one with the gorilla masks. Uh,
1: no, I definitely would have remembered seeing gorilla yeah. masks. <laughs> and,
0: uh, yeah, I think you would have liked this one. Um, I really enjoyed it. It played before Jumbo, which was like, probably our most art house film that we showed this year there
1: were a few uh, well i guess we'll get into that yeah yeah
0: but uh it's so it's definitely a little art house but we were like the theater was busting a gut laughing at this thing uh it's very very clever and very well done and then the last one i want to shout out is my favorite of the whole festival which was the second short that we saw in the whole festival which was the haunted swordsman which played before Frank and Zed. Did you see l- this? One? luckily
1: for me, it's another one that I did see. Perfect.
0: Yeah. So that's this is played before. We're going to be talking about Frank and Zed, which is a puppet horror action film. Uh, it's I don't a, even know. How everything we'll but
1: t- the kitchen sink type movie. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Uh, but the Haunted Swordsman is one that you can. I, I believe there's an Instagram page for it. Um, so you could just follow that, and I'm sure it'll go up online soon for you to be able to see. I'm just trying to pull the thing up again. Yeah, but the synopsis is, a Ronin travels on a quest for vengeance against a supernatural entity. So the reason this one is so amazing, it's uh, directed by Kevin McTurk. I don't know if he's... Oh, yeah, he's done special effects on Jurassic Park, special effects on the Time Machine. Uh, Looks like he's primarily worked in special effects.
1: Which makes sense, because the puppetry in this particular case is absolutely world-class. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, totally agree. This thing is just... It's a 16-minute short... And I, I so badly want a feature. I think it was so interesting. Well, and again, like, I
1: mean, in terms of if, if the interest can, it's a tough concept to prove and see through to being an entire picture. But if there's enough interest in it, I I, I would hope so too, yeah. because it can carry it for sure. And, yeah. and, and, and on paper, I would be a little bit trepidatious about that because you start getting into like kind of a, a territory where you worry about the, the effect wearing off. But yep. I, in this particular case, he has the juice to make it happen. I fully believe that after yeah. seeing that
0: short. Totally agree. It's just it's gorgeous to look at. So look it up if you can and uh, pay attention for that one. But with all those out of the way, we can get right into the film festival. So, starting out with night one, we're just gonna go through each one of these things. And I think we'll take turns. Uh, offer it, like if you're comfortable, giving a little bit of a synopsis about what we're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah. Um, so, Psycho Goreman
1: so and and i this is one thing i missed just the 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 front end of i i know that the the film is kind of uh tangentially related to the Astron six crew yeah. i don't think it's an official Astron six title though right
0: no it's steven kostanski right, right was in right. Astron six
1: yeah right part part of that crew and it does certainly show it uh, a, a picture about a uh uh, hmm, where do you it, this? Almost sounds like describing a Scientology like sidebar when you dis- discuss the early end of this film. Uh, it, it is about a an alien uh prisoner, I guess, who 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 lands on Earth and who uh, can be controlled by by an amulet that ends up in the hands of a, a young girl who's a very bossy young girl. Her and her brother uh have a uh, very well, I, I don't know if I want to call it a fraught relationship, but a a, a uh. Combative relationship yeah. with each other, and we kind of go through them and their families. Um, I, 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 I think it's safe to say, kind of, uh, uh, they're, they're not the most well-adjusted family. I think that that's some of the joy in the film is the family relationship stuff, which is a reoccurring thing for this year's festival. Actually, I've noticed a yeah. lot of family relationship stuff, but it's um, just kind of the background on the family. What ends up happening is uh once uh we come into contact with the alien the titular psycho gore man and uh the uh, uh, the kids develop their relationship with them it turns into this odd mix of almost i don't want to say the b plot but like the a very very similar relationship that we've seen in a few other films it seems to harken back to the uh, early John Connor Terminator relationship in yes. Terminator Two, as well as uh, I think that the uh, the children and the Frankenstein and Monster Squad a little bit there. It's the it's the kid and the monster, and the monster being at the beck and call of the kid type relationship, and that's kind of at the center of this. There are all of these intergalactic interests on uh the psycho goer man though and they start to uh kind of uh swirl around the around the events and turn up and then that ends up seeing the film go from being what p- is playing oddly is this kind of like almost upbeat comedy with a like kind of sci-fi visual and turning into this violent almost uh, i always forget the name of the uh, style of filmmaking but the uh you know uh, power
0: rangers that's exactly yeah, yeah power rangers is what i was going with yeah yeah
1: yeah i know i know there's a particular style uh that of, of what that's called but it, it it turns into these heavily costumed battles except for there is a focus on driving those further into kind of a, a gore as the title would suggest a gore territory yeah. a lot of these things all mixed up to me sounds like kind of a drag i was I was surprised how much I enjoyed this movie
0: I'm so happy to hear that because yeah <laughs> I've seen this I've seen this thing get beat up a little online oh really and uh, I I'm so happy to report that I love like I had such a good time with this movie it, it is funny everyone I've talked to almost
1: has said that I was prepared to not enjoy this and then was kind of like oh, fine it's really good it's really fun the The kids I think that um, we were talking about children acting earlier and this is something that is always towing the line of getting very in annoying specifically the 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 (laughs) young young girl but she is supposed to be a prick. Like yeah. she's supposed to be really difficult and hard to deal with, and she is just that from front to back. Like just kind of your. She. If were she a little bit older, she would be considered irredeemable. Yeah, exactly. And there's something really funny about watching uh, uh like someone of her age behave this way. That is very funny. But I I guarantee you, if you talk to the wrong person, they will be so out so early in this because of her.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be like it was. That was one of the main things that we talked about in the programming meeting was this little girl and how annoying she is but she is doing her job and that's so on this was my second watch for this one and it it was much better like I I really enjoyed it the first time Mm -hmm. um but this movie needs to be seen with an audience or friends or like a group setting. It really benefits from that because the theater was very like it was pretty clear that everyone was enjoying it. I talked to some attendees who said that it was their favorite of the whole festival. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, good. So I'm I'm very happy that uh, there was some representation for the things that they enjoy because not every movie that we show is like this. No. But it's always fun when we throw in something this wacky and crazy and bloody. Mm-hmm. I, I was picturing this to be a midnight screening. But we let off with it. It was yeah. our very first. And I kind of love that.
1: I, I think it was a really good way of, of yeah. starting the thing off because there is uh, Astron 6 crowd always has. I mean, they're so aesthetically concerned, which I think that's something that could almost be turned into a bit of a criticism of them, which is they, they are style forward. And, oh, yeah. And, but i don't i don't think that that is necessarily a problem necessarily a problem if they let that like the style get in the way of them doing a good job that would be an issue but in this particular case well no in, all, in most cases with them like i'm i don't i'm not in love with everything that they've done yeah but they they never really let the style get over to them over them to the point where it's not enjoyable and this is one where like i think even more than usual it's such an enjoyable watch yeah it's, i definitely
0: uh, think it's one of their like well it's uh, once again, it's not technically an Astro yeah. 6 film, but yeah. given that whole cata- catalog of films, this mm-hmm. is definitely up there for me yeah. out of the stuff that they've done. And it is just because of the Power Rangers horror movie feel of yeah. it all. And uh, yeah, it's it's i loved all the monsters, particularly we're going to pause rough. <laughs> 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 All right, so what you just heard was me spilling my entire pint of beer all over myself. <laughs> we're not even through the first movie yet, but uh yeah, I guess we can keep going. This is rowdy. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> this
1: very is... exciting. It's the Saskatoon fantastic is the most exciting time of the year. It totally. it calls for these kinds of things.
0: Agreed. Um so what I was saying to finish out my thoughts on Psycho Gorman <laughs> was I I love the one alien if uh like we're not going to be talking about any spoilers. We'll do all these spoiler free because the people listening, for the most part, aren't going to be able to see the films until they come out. So yeah, when it comes be- to
1: festival stuff like this, is a lot of these are exclusives. Like I mean, as we'll talk about in the next one, we couldn't even advertise what it was yeah. before we ran no, it. No,
0: exactly. Um, but yeah, so like, not spoilers, but I just want to say that I loved the the one monster with the brain in the glass. Do you know which mm-hmm. one I'm talking about? Yeah, that I was my favorite one.
1: one. Um, mine was the, I can't remember what the little boy's name was that ends up, uh, he ends up having kind of a, a personal physical change over the course of the movie very early on and then they uh, they just ride a joke out. Uh, oh, boy, window, yes, like, yeah, yes, yes, that yes. Was, that was my favorite design just because it was so preposterous.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's, I guess, two thumbs up for Psycho Gorman. We're off to a good start. I should also say like right off the bat I lo- I really enjoyed this year's festival so mm-hmm. you're not going to be hearing a lot of me uh, digging on any of these movies.
1: Well, in in a lot of ways like I mean I I think per- personally I do think that because it's a tighter festival than a mm-hmm. lot of others there there's it, you only have so many slots and really You know, like when you're programming a festival that's like 300 films deep, it it just has a tendency to, to range a lot more wildly. I do think that Saskatoon Fantastic is a festival that has historically been... Um, so tightly ran, and, and, and because there is a committee attached to it, I mean, no one gets to get carried away just kind of, I don't know, getting into dumb territory. Exactly, yeah. or
0: just playing something that you like everyone who's uh, programming these movies, they have the audience in mind, not just their own personal yeah. tastes. Yeah. Uh, but it was a great year, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that a little bit more at the end. Um, moving on, so we, after Psycho Gorman, we had our secret screening. Mm -hmm. so john allison didn't tell anybody about this (laughs) i guess did you know about this one uh
1: i i did just well i was dealing with the the traffic yeah yeah Yeah.
0: okay so i hadn't even heard of this film before i started watching it Mm -hmm. um well i guess besides john told me a couple days before but i didn't look anything up but we are talking about frank and zed
1: right and uh what was the name of the director again uh I, i actually i had just looked him up um he uh he doesn't really have a ton of credits other than stuff it looks like he he's done a, like it is kind of uh effects and kind of tactility oh uh, jesse blanchard yeah right right jesse. right and, and 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 there does seem to be a, a bit of a focus on like effects work now this is a, a as as you already mentioned because it was prefaced with uh the swordsman short um this is another puppet film
0: yeah this is but this is a what's the running an hour and a half like so it's a full feature length puppet film Mm -hmm. uh so yeah and the the synopsis is basically two reanimated corpses corpses dependent on each other for survival live a life of solitude until a power-hungry magistrate tricks tricks a group of villagers into attacking their lonely castle fulfilling an ancient prophecy the orgy of blood so this was obviously a first-time watch for you as well.
1: Yes, well, yeah, I, I there was no way I I, I kind of knew just because I was trying to to help things along what it was, but I didn't even really look into it. Again, I didn't. I, I figured I'm going to be there anyway. I'm going to watch it regardless. I don't want to know too much about going totally in, going in. So yeah,
0: I entirely agree. And yeah, you there is a trailer out for this thing, and I highly recommend everybody go and peep it because it's just a this is a different type of beast this this it, film
1: it is and so the, the, the so for me and i think we might split a little bit on this one i liked a lot to do with i think the the actual execution of the thing and i was impressed frequently from a from a technical perspective in a lot of it I for for me there's a lot of I don't have solutions for my problems with the film I'm not, which is so I'm not I'm not saying I'm i I'm, I'm I've got uh, I I have any recommendations for Jesse Blanchard or yeah. anything like that I just know that for me there was uh, some lopsided ends of the movie that made it so that I was kind of wanting for it to cut to the chase a little bit but at the same time it because it's so lean there isn't really any room to do that so again I don't have any solutions to that because the uh, aforementioned orgy of blood is something that by the time we get there i felt like we took too long to get there but it's it's actually quite long so that doesn't make any sense there's a i have a lot of contrary opinions going on in there there's a few things early on that i thought it was doing that was uh, that was alluding to maybe Following up on like kind of a uh, maybe a comment on like codependency and stuff because there's some really interesting stuff going on between the two monsters like the titular monsters early on where they as, as mentioned in the synopsis where they need each other in order to move forward in the world or I guess stay in a kind of holding pattern um, and I found that all interesting and again like the actual process of watching them live was interesting and like kind of everything needing to be like clockwork and all that kind of thing and then just how you know any one small thing can throw that all out of out of whack I did enjoy all those things. And I think overall, like it's, it, it, it's, it's absolutely worth watching, but I, I, from a narrative standpoint, eventually it got to a point where I actually wasn't sure what I was watching anymore. Like just in terms of like, they slow down and they have these, these uh, really animated puppet conversations. And uh, after a while, like I realized like it was all just washing over me. And I was like, I don't really understand what <laughs> the motivations are behind anyone doing anything anymore, save for, I am aware that we were heading towards an orgy of blood because yeah. they kept referencing it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so I, I struggled with this one a little bit. We're on the exact same page. Oh, okay, exact, exact. So yeah. I, I think it's, it's without a doubt an artistic achievement. Yeah, absolutely. Like this-
1: it's it, it, this, these, these, these things. Actually, I'll, I'll reference. Uh, I just, I'll, it's an interview I'll never forget. It was Trey Parker and Matt Stone right after they had made Team America and they said they had almost quit doing anything after that movie they said like they'll never do another puppet anything ever again they said like you ask an actor to do something I'm prefacing obviously but you ask an actor to do something and maybe you'll have to ask that actor to do it two or three times before they finally get it right you ask a puppet to do something it's going to take them 60 fucking times and it's never going to get it right and like they if it it was really funny reading press with them around that point they just wanted to blow their brains out so I, I whenever I look at a puppet i look at a difficulty so i, I appreciate oh, the totally. prowess for yeah. sure yeah
0: and that's why i think uh, like we mentioned jesse blanchard like i i don't the only possible feedback i could give him is that like one of my problems with the film was a lot of the puppets looked the same mm-hmm. they looked very <laughs> similar so the story just got lost in the blood mm-hmm. but i'm not complaining about that blood because no, that, no. That, especially the puppet blood yeah like it is over the top it's zany it's crazy it is gothic, mm-hmm. uh, so I want to give a shout-out to my friend Daniel Daniel Epler. He hosts a podcast called Cobwebs, a gothic cinema podcast where he just goes through Hammer films and anything like that. I think this would be a really cool film for him to discuss on the show. Yeah, this has more
1: reverence for that that end of the pool, for sure. Yeah. One thing about this movie that I do have to say, though, and this is a huge compliment, towards the end, there's a bit that I will not spoil. It, it It's just a detail in the conclusion that got me so good as far as it moving me emotionally at a point where I was kind of like, yeah, okay, I'm kind of done here. And then it hit a spot where I actually like, kind of like, I, I clenched up in my chest a little bit just because of, and it was a visual cue. It wasn't like a, it was something that I don't know, maybe other people thought was funny, but yeah. it got me towards the end real good. Yeah. So that's good. That's big compliment on that
0: one. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like this thing, it's, it's an abundance of bloodshed. If you're into <laughs> that, um, it's, it is something that I would recommend people see. And it, I was I'm very grateful. We were able to show it at the festival because Even if I wasn't in love with the movie itself, it was a really fun and unique watch and is unlike anything else I've seen in recent years besides Haunted Swordsman, which was right before it.
1: well, and that, But it, Haunted it,
0: Swordsman is almost entirely different than this because it's treated with such a straight face.
1: Yeah, and see, and, and it, it did Trojan horse that in. I don't think there would yeah. really have been an excuse to run that film otherwise necessarily. And just having, I think that showing the, because to a lot of people like, you know, obviously if you say puppet film, it seems like a very narrow avenue of films you can draw from. Having those two films back to back is proof that that is not the case. They're two very different styles of filmmaking uh they both fall into well it's it's like having to explain to people that there's different flavors of horror over and over again to the layman it's just like you know like the you know the the exorcist and silent night deadly night five are the same type of movie exactly just not the case just not the case
0: yeah totally agree all right, so that was Frank and Zed. So that was our Monday night. That was our opening night. Let's move on to Tuesday, which was Punk Night. Right. Um, <laughs> we gotta share the Jeff story because that's kind of funny. Like Jeff, uh, our our assistant festival director, Jeff Drake, bought brought his own punk CD. Mm-hmm. We we're planning on blasting punk music through uh, through the speakers. So Are you okay with talking? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can take this out if you're. It's not. very funny. It is funny. So um, was it you or one of your staff? It was
1: It, it was our. Uh, it was one of our projectionists. Yeah. Who, who actually is. <laughs> (laughs) is not in there all the time we we, if if our regular projectionist had been in it his weird kind of like projection kung fu and all of his with all of his like with all of his equipment he probably would have known how to not make this happen but (laughs) something happened yeah
0: and it's okay but basically they put uh the the punk cd in the dvd player and the button's fell inside the dvd player yeah,
1: it, it, it detected what was going in and yeah. the thing just imploded yeah. literally
0: it's a very punk rock <laughs> way to start punk night yeah um, so we are leading off with dinner in america
1: dinner in america which was one that i was so happy to see the festival take on because i actually saw this one in fantasia this year and uh i did for for me i did two two of the bigger festivals this year in fantasia and tiff and Dinner in America was one of my leading movies for festival season. Period. Now um, this is uh, again uh, I'm, I'm blanking the director's name, but uh, he uh, was the the guy that did Bunny Games, which I intended on seeing before uh, tonight, and I didn't get a chance to see because I know that that, that is you know much discussed in the kind of like torture porn realms or whatever. Yeah.
0: And um, Adam Raymeyer?
1: Yes. Yes. And the and the and the big the big thing about that is that this is this could not be any further from that style of filmmaking this is kind of more of a in 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 the neighborhood of like Todd Solons or uh maybe a little bit of John Waters not too much but uh in, in in that uh kind of wandering not particularly plot driven kind of just character uh uh, dissection type film that, that doesn't yeah like it, it, it's kind of a it, it, it kind of just rambles and ambles a little bit and uh, it follows around a uh, a character who uh we we initially don't really know who he is by name necessarily who is uh in a an institution of sorts uh basically uh by uh um by electively uh in doing uh drug tests on himself for a very meager paycheck and uh we we kind of get to yeah early on we're kind of just treated to him just kind of floating through the world and uh crashing a uh, family's dinner uh which <laughs> yeah. is very good um until he ends up fine and, and really like i mean plot wise trying to go into this one is very difficult because it just uh, it kind of just floats from incident to incident but we end up uh, finding out that this character is uh on the run from the law we don't know exactly why Uh, He seems to have ties to uh, some unsavory people. He also seems to have some ties to, uh, like, we kind of watch him floating around doing a few things to do with uh, certain uh, illicit trades until he finally, uh, through desperation, uh, ends up finding himself in a, well, second suburban home of the picture along with uh, another character uh, named Patty. Who this is where it turns into a real Todd, Todd Solms kind of uh, vibe film because uh, Patty does seem to owe an awful lot to the character Don Weiner from Welcome to the Dollhouse. I don't know if yeah. you've ever seen it.
0: No, I haven't, but I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, right.
1: And uh, there, there is definitely like a, a heritage of that in this, uh, and not in a bad way, definitely in a good way. Um, and it turns into kind of a chemistry piece between these two. And yeah. so it is kind of broadly speaking, it is a comedy it's a little bit too weird to be probably funny to most people it's uh got a really big heart as it develops which early on it seems to be kind of it's one a of, mean movie yeah at the beginning. yeah a it very, starts out very an mean anti, an yeah. anti-heart movie to yeah. a degree but i mean like any good movie that's in that realm that doesn't want to kind of skew so cynical that it gets a little tiresome it ends up growing over the course of the thing and uh and ends up being yeah largely i guess what i would refer to as a chemistry piece between these two and kind of uh, and it's also kind of a Mary Poppins movie, yeah. <laughs> because it is about how this character falls into other people's lives and starts making recommendations about little adjustments, yeah. It's true <laughs> about, how to, about how to improve, improve on their lives. And uh, I mean, some of them are preposterous, you know, suggestions. Uh, some of them are very like logical, and some of them are just stupid. But they they all work out. Um, there's also uh, there's some really solid music in this for uh, the type of movie it is usually that doesn't actually crop up there's a really good cameo from the Jesus lizards David Yao in it which is I'm a big fan of and he plays basically the antithesis of who he is in real life which is nice Um, and it's just got attitude to spare and like I mean when you start throwing around things like punk rock this and that I usually get a little bit like get my back up a little bit because there is a lot of and we'll talk about that actually in the music movies Including this one, as a, as a you know musician myself and somebody who's you know done most of what is being discussed in a lot of cases, I notice when uh, I don't know there's time problems or just anything to do with the music industry that to me is kind of a little bit goofy. This one suffers from that the least out of all the music-related movies that uh, that I saw at the festival, and so that didn't end up being a distraction. And I just I was able to buy into it in a way that, um, when it comes to movie uh, music movies, I always get a little bit scared of. Um, I really love this movie.
0: Man, one of my favorites of the year. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so goddamn good. So this was one that this was a first-time watch for me there, and uh, yeah, like so the the character that we're talking about who leads leads uh, the charge. Place, uh, it's Kyle Gallner playing Simon. Do you know, do you recognize him from uh, other stuff?
1: I, I, I He was in, well, he was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, yeah, right? Nightmare yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Which, he was in
0: Jessica's, bo- or Jennifer's body.
1: Refresh me if I'm wrong. Or, sorry, yeah, refresh my memory. I might have said something about this I might not have in passing at some point in time. But I actually, as a, as a performer... People rip on him really bad about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and I didn't mind him quite so much. I thought he was okay. I think he had a good, like, physical look for the emaciated teenager who's not sleeping, so I... I, I don't I don't carry any baggage into it the way I think some other people did. I've read reviews of people saying, like, typically this guy sucks, but I really like him in this
0: movie. I am that critic. Oh, you're, you're, you're one of those people, okay. of the, And that's because, like, uh, the reason why, the reason, yeah, like, so he does play that role correctly in mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street. And it seems he's probably one of the best, like, cast in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, he's played that role for 10 years before that as well okay like he yeah, did I mean, it over and over and over again like uh there was a movie haunting connecticut which he was in which was oh my god yeah, i forgot all about that yeah, yeah. And you're right he did too didn't he yep yeah and right. uh even it well i actually kind of like his performance in jennifer's body because he plays like an over-the-top emo kid like yeah. have you seen jennifer's body
1: yeah i, I haven't yeah. seen it in quite some time but yeah, okay
0: yeah, yeah. yeah and uh but so i oh, went man. into this movie not a fan of him and he was in uh, kevin smith's red state Uh, oh
1: see and i like that one it is good yeah Yeah, yeah.
0: it's good and he he's, he's so i guess i think maybe i was bringing in a little bit of like you know when you're like i've been watching this guy since i was Thirteen years old, so so I'm probably harder on him than some people. And watching this movie, I realized how wrong I was. Like he's so good in this movie.
1: Previously, you might not have been wrong though, because I think you're right. I think he did have he definitely had a type, and maybe that was just what he was getting hired for, and people weren't being fair to him. But I mean, you had every reason to presume he was going to continue to do that. Yeah, on paper, he's supposed to be doing playing the opposite style of character and so it's easy to go into this going like i don't think this kid can pull it off no. and he uh he's he actually especially like comedy wise like there is the uh, there's there's some dialogue here and there in this film that i wasn't like i mean i would i'd like to see a rewrite on and like occasionally him being tough is a little hard to swallow yes. but also <laughs> that is addressed further into the movie when we start to really dissect his character and go like, well, is anybody tough? Yeah. Like, is it like he, he's behaving that way around certain people, but when he's in other company, all of a sudden he, like, I mean, he doesn't have the room to be impressed with himself anymore. Yeah. And like, so it kind of feels like it's aware of that to a degree as well.
0: Totally. Yeah. And that's like you, like you had mentioned it, like it even, it starts off as a very like cynical and, mean-spirited film and by the end of it it just transforms into something really charming and i already can't wait to see it again i it's without a doubt one of my favorite movies of the year and i very much loved it yeah i'm
1: i'm i'm in the same boat as well yeah awesome. i uh, yeah that was that was i was again very very happy and again because saskatoon fantastic has the ten- tendency broadly speaking to skew genre i was kind of surprised when it came up and 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 like really happy for saskatoon that they were going to get a chance yeah, to see totally. it cinematically. so yeah, yeah
0: totally agree so continuing punk night we have uncle peckerhead which is available right now so i believe it's on amazon but it, it's the only film that we showed uh this of this entire lineup that is available for you right now uh so uncle pecker had a loose synopsis of it it's it's another one of these punk comedy horrors uh where there's a down on their luck touring punk band that uh just can't seem to catch a break and then they they end up crossing paths with this absurd kind of I'm trying to use the right words for him. Uh, he's a bit of a hayseed, maybe. Yeah, it, that, that's a that's a very good word for him. Uh, the most polite one I could think of. Yeah, so he just seems like you know the the kind of people that maybe punk punk rockers wouldn't want to be around or they wouldn't associate themselves with. Uh, but they find out that is it every night at midnight he turns into a basically a, a zombie for 13
1: minutes no less yeah on, on the nose yeah. if we take his word for it anyway
0: yeah exactly so he's got some sort of uh ailment that just makes him turn into a flesh eating monster every night at midnight and but there is ways to subside this I, like that's one of the things that kind of got lost on me throughout the movie is i i didn't understand how he was able to control it sometimes and or
1: if he was and yeah a yeah. little sloppy on that front. yeah yeah
0: yeah Uh, so yeah, this one, I, uh, this was second time watch for me. So I saw this one leading up to the festival. I don't love this movie. (laughs) I'm not a, not really a big fan of this one. I think the strongest elements of it lie in the band Mm themselves. And I think them breaking the trope of every time we see these movies, but these punk bands or metal bands or anything, Mm -hmm. they're generally always really shitty. Yeah. And that I really like that in Uncle Peckerhead, they're a good band. Like, mm-hmm. I would listen to their music. They kind of sound like, um, for people wondering, punk people, like, off with their heads kind of music. Um, but, yeah, so I think that the strongest elements of the film were when the band was able to play. But it really fell apart at the end for me. Like, the, the last 20 minutes of this thing, I was like, I've never seen someone struggle so hard to find... Oh, like. They had no idea where they were going to end this thing. It right. it just didn't feel like they had that idea, and they got to that point in the filming. I obviously this I'm speculating here, uh, but yeah, it just, it just didn't wrap up for me.
1: One of the things about the movie that kept getting me in a good way was there was a recognition of some real. Uh, there was there was a recognition of some real touring. Um, uh, kind of reoccurrences that I found like broadly speaking kind of impressive almost a few things to do with like I want to say the, uh, the, the the band interaction things that are just very very specific things the way they interact with other bands Uh,
0: especially some of that was very funny oh my Uh, god the the other band singer good god rival band yeah yeah, that that was and we've all been there and you we spent probably an hour talking about like our experiences playing in bands where we would run into characters like this. yeah and
1: people who are you're you're doing this thing where you're playing in front of 10 people but people are Uh, striking up rivalries for no reason are being just frankly very shitty for for, and for who and for what and some of that stuff was very funny there was just the occasionally very very on band thing that I thought was very funny but as far as applying it to the comedy horror realms it, it felt very tacked on like it felt like that they were they were aware like well like for instance when they're dealing with a promoter very early on in the movie it was working for me at that point because i mean everybody's done the thing where you get to the end of the night and the promoter gives you three dollars yeah and uh how demoralizing that is and like you love to wreck you know like there's something about rec, you know recognizing yourself there for that and there's something about recognizing you know you going i'd love for something bad to happen to that guy right now and having it actually happen there's something about that that uh, just like it kind of feeds on your fantasy life a little bit and i did enjoy that but none of it to me, really entirely was ever ever able to take off because it never felt like it really knew what it wanted to do besides string these like incidents together and um, but so in it on one hand it had all of that stuff sorted out on the other hand I thought that it was really also very sloppy with its band uh, viewpoint there was a lot of things that they were doing that for. All the expertise they seem to have access to there was also like because the regular people are not going to pick up on these minor little things but that feeds into that misconception of what people have about what tour you know quote-unquote tour life and all that stuff is is all about and uh that's it's it's kind of the where those things start and so it did it annoyed me and tickled me and kind of like the kind of about the same measure but the actual core film I don't think was ever there there was these moments and it seemed to I kept thinking this seems like no, uh, it w- was reminding me a little bit here and there of trauma, but never entirely going all the way and then all of a sudden There's an actual scene where they're sitting there watching a trauma movie. Yeah. and I went like oh, okay So that's all on purpose. Are they are they courting them? Are they trying to get in with that group? And uh, it, it, I don't know it just it felt so unfocused to me it was fun but I, I don't like I'm, I'm certainly never going to need to see it ever again. And again, for that, what we kind of discussed as being like pretty high uh, kind of watermark of what you expect from the festival. It, it wasn't definitely wasn't one of my favorites.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit out of the bunch that we're talking about today. I would say that it's. Maybe the most forgettable.
1: Well, and and that's the thing. Based on all those raw components, you would think that it, how could you forget something like that? But uh, the answer is, you certainly could. Like we will no. not be talking about this movie a year from now.
0: No, no, yeah. definitely not. All right, so moving on to Wednesday night, we had our short film block, and then we went into Lucky.
1: Lucky, yeah, and that was one that I, actually, that was another one that I saw as part of Fantasia, so this was a second time I I ended up getting to see this again. This one was really, uh, it was interesting, it was actually, this deserved maybe a second viewing, uh, in terms of uh, kind of being able to soberly... Um, absorb what it was trying to do. This is a really big concept piece, ostensibly. I've heard a, a few, uh, I th- a few people talk about it as a, um, and, and, and very quickly another film ends up making it into the phrase as a result of this. But I've heard a few people saying, you know, just things about it being, like, you know, gra- if Groundhog's Day was a slasher or something like that. But I think we already have that in the form yeah. of uh, what's the a Happy, Happy Death Day, which I actually haven't
0: seen, but. I've I would heard, say that's a lot more that this. This doesn't really feel a Groundhog Day to me.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm just repeating yeah, what other no, you said, and I I've think heard that, that that's, as well. It's unnecessarily reductive, especially since the the point to what this is doing is trying to get at the heart of something uh, about how systematically cyclical something is. Now, the picture uses a similar. So so ostensibly, it is about this woman who is being. Um, stalked by what appears to like, especially to horror fans will be kind of like your standard issue faceless, uh, you know, break and enter murderer character. And she is being continually and very cyclically, uh, stalked by this guy. And as she is, uh, reaching out for help concerning everything to do with him, including talking to police, talking to who, you know, whoever she needs to talk to, talking to people in her personal life, um, She's dismissed very very, readily from all sides to do with everything to do with this. There's a this kind of modicum of concern that is directed her way. But in a lot of cases, it ends up kind of being more of a conversation about like, well, what are you doing that's allowing this to happen? Yeah. What are you doing that is maybe attracting this negative attention? When you know it's a man with a knife, yeah. uh, and uh, and and like, what could you do differently? And basically, how is this your fault? So, in case you haven't picked up on it, this is definitely a like very, uh, like it is a ostensibly ostensibly like a feminist slasher film in that it's trying to discuss like the well, it's victim shaming yeah. the movie basically, yes. um, which. I ended up feeling relatively the same way the second viewing that I felt the first, which is that uh, as, as a viewer, just for me personally, I felt it was very, very ham fisted in those points. But there's a caveat to that, which is that I then talked to folks who, when I would go back and unpack all of those things with, they went like, oh yeah, I guess it is that way to me, which nullifies my opinion of it entirely because it means that the conversation still needs to happen that hamfistedly if people are not getting it. Yeah, um, I think it's, in terms of execution, uh, by design is a little bit like it is it is a little bit hack because it can't be too exciting like the horror shouldn't be exciting it's supposed to be about how mundane yep. this reoccurring violence is it's not supposed to be like you know this isn't supposed to be Freddy krueger or something like no. that it is supposed to be this faceless endless oppression yeah. that that is being visited on this woman and ultimately every woman is kind of the general uh kind of statement being made and um and and how it is treated and how we explain it away and how we make it the victim's fault and i think that that's a really important thing to do and a really important thing to study and look at in practice again as a from a viewing standpoint like i i have to say for me like i you know it's not quite an eye-rolling territory but it's just like i you know i get it like yeah i i, I understand what the film is going for and in in, ter- in, the, in those terms i think that it uh on occasion thinks it's clever in ways that it I don't think I wouldn't use that word and that's that's where it loses me a little bit it's a little it does feel a little smug every now and again but my the fact that I feel that way is entirely and 100% nullified by the fact that I had a couple of conversations where someone walked away from it having not entirely understood the gravity of it which means that the conversation needs to keep on being this black and white because we're not there yet <laughs>
0: yeah. no and yeah I, I pretty much entirely agree with that I I definitely like the film from what it sounds like a little bit more than you mm-hmm. did and yeah. uh, I really like Bria Grant who's the star of this film and mm-hmm. she also wrote the film Yeah, um, she's also we've talked about her a bunch on the podcast recently she wrote and directed uh, Twelve-hour shift, which we showed at the at the Broadway theater a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but she was also in After Midnight, which is one of my favorite horror movies of the year. So that's uh, I'm sure people listening will have some kind of idea of who she is yeah and
1: in 12 hour shift like the right like she's a really really good writer she's a very good writer yeah very good writer i think that
0: this is by far her best performance i really liked her performance in this i agree that it's pretty it it was very on the nose at times mm-hmm. um but like you said it's it kind of seems like it has to be that way yeah. especially it's such a like strange concept for people to grasp i think like that's the one thing that i i didn't I didn't fully get the payoff that I wanted from it in in terms of a conversation, but it's because uh, it, in my mind it gets a little bit repetitive at times because you are essentially seeing like the same attack over and over again or different versions of this attack.
1: Right. Which again, I I, I feel if I'm if I'm catching the intention, I feel like the oppression of just over and over mm-hmm. and over again was supposed to be the message, and I think that it's important that it is because understanding like let's 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 use the metaphor let's use a cat call for instance yep. uh that that is the point is like having to survive that over and over and over again exactly. it's every 10 minutes and to the person who is victimizing the person who's using the cat call it's 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 uh, it's 2 seconds of their life yeah but when the, the the victim is going through that, every time they turn a corner, it's it's happening over and over and Yeah, and you have and to relive and over it, over it and everything. Yeah. And, and so I do think that it, it serves a purpose. But the the question is, was it entirely uh, successful? And again, like I mean, I don't know. I don't know that I go so far as to say juries out. I think lar- largely it worked. I didn't think it was good. Yeah. I didn't yeah. think it was very good.
0: I yeah, it definitely like I can't obviously go into spoilers spoilers here, but I think that the movie really picks up in the last like half an hour. I really enjoyed, particularly a scene of the parking garage. I thought was like excellent. I really loved that scene and where it was going. Uh, but I yeah, this is just kind of a it's a movie that I know isn't made for me, so I'm not going to be the one to I'm not going to blow this movie to like say I I love it or anything like that. But I I thought it was enjoyable and it will be going on Shutter because uh, this was a Shutter Presents screening of Lucky. So mm-hmm. it's one definitely worth keeping an eye out for. I think a lot of our listeners are going to get some enjoyment out of it.
1: Well, and I do think that it's important to keep it in the mix in terms of discussion as well. I think totally. that it, it's the type of movie that I think is successful insofar as it'll make you, the next time you are watching a slasher movie, it is going to occur to you. Yeah. So, so I think it does make an impression.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, I dug Lucky. So moving on from that, we what is, oh yes, Ro. So this is a Malaysian horror film called Ro, and uh, I believe that stands for Soul. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So I want you to take this one away. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you're yeah. okay
1: with that. Um, Well, I mean, discussing this at length is not. Uh, this definitely falls into that bracket of the I I, I suppose the the type of film that is is, we kind of mentioned del toro earlier it does seem to be in the fairy tale realms like I don't I haven't done my research on it I don't know if there's a pre-existing cultural tale that this is kind of a uh, that that this kicks off of or not it kind of feels like maybe it does it's one of those things where like you you know you've seen uh, like something for instance like a windigo legend or something yeah. extrapolated on in a couple of different movies and it's not the same story but you you know there's components of the legend it feels like there might be some pre-existing legend
0: yeah like it, it it totally plays on feels like a like malaysian fairy tale right
1: and and again not knowing maybe culturally that you know to its core i wouldn't i wouldn't go so far as to you know say i don't know that for sure it feels that way though and in terms of like being a really unique watching experience i do think that like I, I like getting that sensation that i'm out of my depth like i mean hearing hearing you know somebody from that culture tell, relate a story back to you is what it feels like so yeah it does have a sense of folk tale about it which is always really nice and uh, it's about a family who is a uh, living uh living in a forest and they end up uh being, trying to i'm trying i'll be very careful about how i discuss this one because this is very uh it's very minimal which uh this this is another one of the ones from from the from the batch that has some art house leanings um it, it they, they end up encountering a young girl out in the woods and there is something very very off about her and events end up transpiring that uh, make her having come to their house seem like potentially a bad omen a little bit of a little bit of a curse situation going on. There's also somebody else uh, wandering the woods who is a, uh, a hunter who is everyone everyone who all of a sudden starts wandering around their house starts, Behave, causing giving them a lot of reason to worry about what's going yeah. on surrounding them and it starts getting into territory where there's uh there is concern about supernatural elements it, it almost uh there was a little bit of a in vibe it reminded me a little bit of Baba, a little bit which was nice because yep. you don't see that kind of drawn from very often um and actually gets alarmingly uh not 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 uh not violent in a conventional sense but it gets like the the physical <laughs> danger starts ramping up especially when you're dealing with like a kind of a it, there's a again coming back to a younger crew like of kids uh, kind of that are in the mix here and it starts they they're they they're, the notes that it hits remind me of a couple of odd, very disparate movies. I heard a few people mention The Witch, which that's, I... That's the one that I would reference. Yeah. yeah, I would definitely tend to agree with that. And it feels like The Witch through a completely different cultural filter. Totally.
0: Yeah, it's like a Malaysian version of The Witch. But obviously, the story's not the same. It's very different. It's very, very di- unique. But it's just the, the style and the dread right. is what reminded me of The Witch. And, and, and it, when I say style, because obviously this movie looks nothing like The Witch. No. It's just like the general pace of it and the... Um, How you're basically being fed breadcrumbs with this with this family, and then once the puzzle pieces start coming together, it turns into something pretty chilling.
1: Yeah, and there's something, and there there is something very. very similar about the isolation of it yeah, as well totally. which reminded me a little bit of the others actually which I hadn't anticipated in the mix at all I've never yeah. seen that oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like just a, just a touch which is certainly if you've seen the others it's not to say that uh, you can anticipate a similar narrative thrust or anything like that yeah. nothing like that there's just a little bit about this sensation of this family being marooned and being only able to rely on themselves. Uh, and being very compromised, and especially given that how, how they're living in this Malaysian, you know, uh, like setting, um, really having nothing from keeping these evil influences out of their lives and it 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 is very it gets to a point where there's this sense of paranoia as well it brings in a really interesting batch of emotions that i just i don't think i anticipated uh, coming in and got very scary um it's a
0: creepy creepy movie it
1: is uh this was one of my favorites of the entire festival yeah i I, like this it it, and and uh, there was even even those those strands there's a few strands that i thought were disparate and were maybe not going to pay off and ultimately i ended up feeling like each individual component needed to be there by the end of it i was very and i was very satisfied by the time we got to the end which was not a conventional ending even necessarily there was one scene in particular they 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 mess around with rhythm a lot in this movie and it's not a like well it's unclear because sometimes it does sound almost like a bit of a like a soundtrack rhythm or something like that but it's actually components of what are happening in your surroundings and there's one spot in particular that uh when it hit i ended up getting goosebumps very badly and uh i I think we're probably we know which part we're talking about (laughs) yeah um uh i uh, in terms of I'm. I, I. don't. I don't think I'm going to walk this back. I think for me, this was the scariest film of the of the festival. We'll see. I don't. I don't. I, yeah. I, yeah. I yeah think, oh yeah. I think yeah. No. I yeah.
0: agree. I agree. I would agree with that. This was a massive surprise for me. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, I wasn't sure what to think of this one going in, and I will like you were. You had t- touched on before, but I felt like there was a bit of a cultural divide for me, like in the first half. Yeah. And that's just because you're introduced to a foreign place, a foreign territory, so a, a style of life that I'm not. Uh, well educated on yeah but that's one of the best parts about the movie is learning as you go and by the mi- like the midway point of this movie I was just glued to it. Yeah. And this out of all the movies that we showed at the festival this year, I, like I I could not with this was a later. I think we started at 9:30. Yeah. I came home and I was looking it up for like 2 hours. Yeah. Like I got really really into this movie and I was like texting Jeff and John and Jay and being mm-hmm. like, "Hey, did you pick up on this part? This part? This part?" and it's like it I realized that all of us like there will be a natural reaction to maybe overthink this movie a little bit because it is just very simple mm-hmm. that's what i've what i realized from looking up online is that I, I i was worried i didn't get the ending but i totally got the ending i was just reading into it because i, I want i was expecting it to be way more elaborate than what it was it, well and it also feels very overwhelming when it, yeah
1: it you get to it it, it is very affecting and yeah. it makes you i mean it it, it like i mean it, it makes sense to me that you would want to to see that through so don't yeah i i, I think that that's uh, a that's a natural reaction yeah, to what you saw totally
0: and this one it's just i don't know the the more i think about it the more i the more i like it mm-hmm. and I uh, i know it's not one that you're going to be able to like it's not a re like constant rewatch movie or anything no. like that but i am looking forward to seeing it again
1: i am too and i do i do think that it's something that like well going back to what you were saying too about cult the like the the, the cultural divide that you get initially and maybe like i mean maybe a little bit of alienation it's just not something you're used to that is some of the best stuff about watching horror from uh, a culture that you're not as uh, adept with. Totally. You know, the culture and the understanding of um, is is there is something about it that is alienating but we get back to what is the best thing about horror films at that point is the universal, the universal understanding of fear and by the time you're deep into this thing, I mean you do feel very lost in the jungle and you are not getting out and in a lot of cases, as with a lot of other good, you know, a lot of other good horror films, logic really starts being suspended and the things you're seeing stop needing to make sense on, a, uh, on an unexplainable level and it's just, you know, having to deal with it. You're You're side by side with the characters and you realize that the characters that they 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 know what the uh, you know they, they they understand their own culture, but they look just as concerned as you feel. And yeah. uh, and and it's 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 a pretty yeah. I I I love the movie. I yeah, loved it, loved I
0: it. I loved it as well. And that's actually like one of the things that I found from researching it a little bit is that like there like there's obviously this. I have I'm pretty I haven't seen a lot of Malaysian like melee films in general, mm-hmm. uh, but this one like. I don't know if you like because obviously you could tell just from watching it, but it looked gorgeous like this is a gorgeous looking movie. Yeah, this is like a microscopic budget movie for melee. And uh, that's one of the things I I was really interested to find interesting. I found it interesting to learn about afterwards is just how low of a budget this movie uh, used. And apparently there are other like I read from some melee film critics. And they were talking about how, like, these types of movies come out all the time in Malaysia. Or, like, there's, like, where they're trying to tackle this kind of, like, folklore or, like, a story, a simple story like this. But this is by far the best use of it. And it's one of the most, like, one of the smallest budget films out of all of them. So I think that that's really interesting. But this is one that I highly recommend keeping an eye out for, especially if you're a fan of what we've just been talking about if that seems like you know it is a slow burn horror movie the
1: type of thing you, you know there's the, the different kinds of horror movies you'd show people like if they they'd say i want to watch something scary but you know they're the kind of person who doesn't dig on i don't know whatever like you know they, they, they like something's a little more erudite or something like that like or just your friends who tend to like foreign films or something like that i wouldn't be embarrassed or scared to show this to somebody who doesn't think they like horror movies so much
0: yeah, yeah. totally agree totally Um, Alright, moving on to Thursday, I want to give a quick shout out to the producer's workshop with Michael Peterson that Mm. we did at uh, 1 o'clock. It was an afternoon event, but uh, we had the producer, previous guest of the show, episode 169, uh, Michael Peterson was on. He's the director of Knuckleball and the producer of Harpoon, and he's just produced a brand new horror movie called Bloodthirsty, which we're going to be talking about after Bleed with me. Uh, So next up, or I guess quickly that producer's workshop was amazing it was it was really good and
1: i like i've seen a few very similar workshops he has so much hands-on knowledge of how to get this stuff done he's able to in a very tactile fashion just you know draw lines from actual cause and effect in a way that a lot of people who are maybe kind of fronting and stuck off in theory land are aren't able because he's just he's he's boots on the ground yeah and he just does it and that that means an all like it means so much because he can very just matter-of-factly refer back to actual experience in a way that a lot of people who are maybe like trying to make some money off of doing something like this but haven't actually had the experience can't do totally
0: and i want to point out one thing that made my jaw drop during the (laughs) during this workshop was uh pretty much i think it was like 10 or 15 minutes in. michael was talking about how he worked as an intern for ridley scott
1: like it was no thing and he was just gonna wander right past it yeah. he was not gonna even stop and draw attention to it until something you could actually hear uh,
0: somebody in the back of the room go wait a minute yeah exactly ridley scott <laughs> and i just felt like such an idiot because it was like we had him on the podcast and i'm pretty sure we talked for like an hour and a half hour and 45 minutes and we were talking to him about degrassi but the man worked for Ridley Scott. Uh,
1: well, and 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 it's it, that that's the thing though is like I I mean I think that he, it's probably buried so deep in his like his IMDb page, you, you might not even notice it cuz it's pro- I don't know what he had as an official uh credit on those films.
0: Yeah. I don't know if he had any credits. He just more so was like his intern and was kind yeah. of like the like yeah he obviously learned a ton from him
1: yeah well that's the thing when when broached when the subject was broached he did have stories attached to it but yeah. that's kind of what i'm talking about he he has so much experience at this point that um that is a that's a cliff note like that's just on the you know like that's just a tiny thing that he mentions in passing yeah on his way to getting to his point and like that you 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 can't fake that kind of credential
0: yeah totally but yeah, then after that, at the 7 o'clock screening, we showed Bleed With Me, which is we did a double feature of Amelia Moses movies. So both Bleed With Me and Bloodthirsty were directed by Amelia Moses, who's a Canadian filmmaker, and Bleed With Me was her first feature.
1: Right, and it it, it was an interesting pairing because she was kind of in odd ways addressing classic monsters in, in, in the two movies. So they, they were really interesting bedfellows.
0: Yeah, totally, and uh, we had a and a with her after... I think yeah, it was after both bleed with me and uh, and bloodthirsty, mm-hmm. but starting with bleed with me. Uh, so this is a film that centers around a woman who like she was her and uh, she was fret a couple of friends from childhood reconnect at a, like when they're adults, and uh, she go one of them goes up to uh, her cabin with her and her husband. And they just, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this. It,
1: it, no, it, this one's a delicate one to discuss because yeah. it is very in the details in terms of, so, I mean, it is about their relationship and you have to be, in terms of how the film moves forward, you can't give uh, too much away. Yeah, They, they kind of uh, gradually reveal that to you in the nature of the relationship and um, things that are maybe points of non-discussion for them, are huge ordeals as the film goes on so yeah. i it, it, it is almost a little difficult to discuss for sure
0: yeah and i, I did this is one that i saw twice and i can say a uh, second viewing helped a lot because there is a lot of like little nuances that you could miss in the first like especially because the film turns like a, every good film it turns into something completely different by the end or at yeah. least you. it wasn't what you were expecting and uh that's on a second viewing you can pick up the little breadcrumbs that they leave along uh so it definitely is one that rewards repeat viewings but uh yeah this one it's the one of the girl like uh, i could say because yeah it's it's in the it's in the synopsis on imdb that the woman one of the women is she's convinced that her best friend is stealing her blood while she's sleeping
1: yeah and and that see the thing is is even that doesn't it's funny because that sounds like an enormous plot point but it isn't almost yeah. that that's in broad strokes I mean, some metaphorically, maybe what they're discussing a little bit because it is that type of movie. This is another one of those ones that would definitely fall. It's toeing the line, getting into the art house territory a little yeah. bit. It's a much more relationship based movie. It's 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 kind of about. I mean, it's another isolationist one, which is perfect for 2020, uh, and uh, and it is about uh, kind of being kept in close quarters with you know truth that maybe not everybody wants to discuss out loud and it but it's the thing that's radiating it's 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 a hum in the room that you know that no one wants to discuss and um the, the the boyfriend kind of creates some really interesting uh bumps in the road in terms of just the dynamic as he kind of changes his mind a little bit about a few things as he develops as a character um, but it's, it's because he's an outsider. He's kind of incidentally creating friction and, and it, and it, it, it does create some really interesting tension. Totally. Um, and it is. Tangentially speaking, again, because I, I guess I guess yeah, it's it's easy to discuss how she's convinced that her blood is being stolen because I as I mentioned, it was a kind of a
0: monster movie
1: in that this is kind of a vampire movie, yeah, kind totally. of.
0: It's a very very loose iteration on a vampire film. Like, yeah, it's very original. And
1: and and, it, and in that uh, with that as a function, I think that if if you got even deeper any deeper into it being a vampire film, it would kind of maybe start skewing a little cheesy. But because a lot of the horror elements of this because it it seems almost more drama than horror Uh, the horror elements in it are very hallucinatory and very um ambiguous yeah they are they really are and i think that that works to the film's advantage in a lot of ways i think that those are some of its stronger suits actually
0: i think so too and i but i could also see that being a one of the like a deterring factor for some people enjoying it because some people really don't like ambiguous films and the film does have an answer at the end like Mm -hmm. you you will have to do a little bit of work to get there but uh I just uh, It's just a very moody, dread-filled piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. There's a, uh, as a first feature, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's very a, impressive. It's one hell of a first feature. And there's
1: one thing that I hope to see her in future projects extrapolate on, which I do think, like, I think she's very good. There, there's a trust she seems to have with her actors, which yeah. is a really good start, because especially, yeah, first time, like... Uh, you, that's something that you can't teach. Like you either are that type of director or you not, but there's something that she managed to bring out in them in conversation. Uh, specifically, I thought the eeriest point in the movie was literally somebody telling a story. Yeah. And that was true. the part that sent chills up your spine. And that was, I mean, it was three people sitting around just having a conversation. That is something I'd like to see her capitalize more on moving forward because I do think that that was there's some serious power there that you can have kind of odd hallucinatory horrific imagery all you want but when the biggest chill you draw is out of somebody telling a story like th- that's unusual yeah and total. very cool yeah. so I yeah. she wrote
0: she wrote this one as well wrote mm-hmm. and directed it yeah so. solid performances all around too yeah mm-hmm. Lauren Lauren Beatty she stars in both of these films but mm-hmm. there's the end bleed with me uh and she's she's great she's one that I, I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. what else like both of these fi- like filmmakers come out with like Amelia Moses to me like we still haven't talked about Bloodthirsty, but yeah. like she's an exciting filmmaker. Yeah. And uh I'm very I'm very happy that we were able to do a Amelia Moses double feature. Mm-hmm. Then to have Michael Peterson there for the Q and A afterwards for Bloodthirsty. Right. So Bloodthirsty like uh like Bleed With Me is another kind of loose iteration on a classic monster tale. Right. But she makes it so unique and original, and this is a werewolf film.
1: Right. And it and it doesn't it, I mean, I think that that it's kind of in like a lot of the press surrounding it that it is one. I think that that's almost turned into a selling point to it, which may work for it to its advantage, may not. I'm not sure. I, I don't have an some, answer to some, that.
0: Some people are going to be turned off from it when they're going and expecting a werewolf movie. Yeah, a full-blooded werewolf movie yeah.
1: because it's it's in the mix, but it's not. Again, not unlike bleed with me, it's in the mix, but that's not the point either. Totally. Um. In in this particular case, uh, it's it's about a a singer, uh, who is getting ready to uh, work on her sophomore record, and she's very. We kind of get a chance to see what her life is looking like surrounding a record. She seems to be somebody who is being. Uh, uh really sought after like just like it shows her fielding interviews and all this kinds of these kinds of things she's just a very in demand person and uh and uh this and it's played by lauren Beatty again so that's uh like it it was interesting seeing these back to back because she's two very separate entities in both of these and um and in this particular case yeah like it's 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 this uh this kind of uh you got. It reminded me a little bit of uh, Vox Lux. I don't know if you. Saw. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, like it. Just a t- just a touch early on, and I mean, it kind of sheds that right away. But yeah. it it is, it is uh There's there's just this kind of sensation. She's this very in demand person who's um, very concerned about her future, and she doesn't want to, like, mess up her next big step, and so, in order to address that, she is, uh, going into the studio right away with a new producer named Vaughn, but the situation with that is, is that Vaughn has a storied history, he seems to be kind of, maybe, I, I, I I get the sense, semi-based on, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the record producer, the, uh, the, uh, very troubled, uh, record producer that uh probably killed somebody um <laughs> Did it'll, he work at the Phil, 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 Spector, Phil Spector. Oh um, yes, Phil Spector. Um, yeah, like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm presuming that his background is supposed to be at least semi-referential to Phil Spector. Well, they
0: say uh, he was in a boy band.
1: Yeah, which, which, yeah, that ended up turning into something very funny during the Q and A. Actually, as yeah. it, as it turns out, the boy band. How did the how did that go? They ended up uh, generating his. If you look in the small print, the boy band name is in there someplace at one point, but they just went to a boy band. A name generator. Name generator. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the Lauren Beatty plays Gray and. And she she goes to this Vaughn guy in a remote uh, studio to work with him, and uh, he's kind of supposed to bring something out in her that. And he doesn't really work with people anymore. He's this shadowy figure. Everyone says don't work with with her. Uh, Gray's girlfriend is saying I'd rather you not. Eventually, as well, especially after meeting him, he's clearly a very off yeah, personality. Strange. Um, and yeah, and very yeah, very strange. So we get out into the. Uh, we, yeah, we get out to this very eccentric location where he records. And uh, if you can believe it, that somehow turns into a werewolf movie without getting too far into it. Yeah. Because the thing is, the werewolf part, the werewolf portion, which they do not bury, it's all in the press, everyone knows it's a werewolf movie, is pretty deep into the movie. It's yeah. not really out front. So uh, this is another example of one a, a film having these like very very pronounced dashes of horror but maybe not explicitly being a total horror movie this one some me between the two didn't work quite as well and I feel like I need to qualify that I mentioned earlier that of all the music movies that there were ones that kind of did different things to kinda like push my buttons a little bit and I was so distracted by the timeline what would you say the timeline was supposed to have been in this movie how long were they out there for
0: You know what, so you just mentioned something I never thought about, but I I could see that being an issue. I think
1: with with most viewers, that probably won't be the issue, but as they're working on her record, which I think they have, if they didn't push her as a musician as being such an important an integral part to the plot I don't think i'd be distracted by this but there seems to be this sensation that they arrive and then within like an
0: afternoon yeah they're it's, starting it's like, already getting weird yeah, quick.
1: well it, but but like but as far as like the process of the record is concerned like she comes in she literally says she has nothing to work on but they have the all of these fully tracked songs within like a day and a half <laughs> and like just so much that's going on i was finding i'm'm I'm, I'm, I'm blaming me for this yeah. i was so distracted by the timeline of this record that was happening and also there is this uh, it's it, it, it's co-written by a musician so this should yeah. these should not be problems but there's this thing that happens where every time someone goes to talk to gray and she's like looking out a window they go what are you doing and she goes oh i'm working on a song like every time uh, anyone asks her I'm, I'm working on this lyric and it's like I, I don't know i found i found some of that to be a little bit too much it was i found that the non-horror elements of this kind of they didn't really work for me in a lot of cases the werewolf stuff for the most part i did enjoy though um i i i i i struggled with this one a little bit I, i will have to admit um and a lot of it has to do again i i will i will i'll take some of the blame on that in terms of it being my baggage but um there were things that I liked. I thought the performances, generally speaking, broadly speaking, were quite good. But uh, I did, I on a on a I think, r- the, the on a script standpoint, I I struggled with this one, especially coming off of Bleed with Me, which I thought was like I I thought really, I don't want to say tinder maybe but like it was uh and and it should be maybe mentioned that like bleed with me was a from the ground up construction for the director whereas this was kind of a a by hire situation like I don't, she didn't write any of it yeah and and i do think that to a degree that that i maybe that might show because there might be not be that intricate knowledge of what the film is about um but i had a harder time I, i i just didn't get quite as much out of this one between the two pictures
0: yeah yeah, and I like this one more.
1: Yeah, and I yeah. and I seem to be in the wrong, or not in the wrong, but yeah. I seem to be the opposite. I've talked to yeah. a few people that the, the the it's a it's a flip position with yeah. so like I'm am de- definitely for sure. As with all things, I'm never saying I'm right. I'm just yeah. saying that that's how I saw it.
0: Yeah, and I think the reason the the thing that elevated this one a little bit above bleed with me for me is something. It's not even in the filmmaking. It's Lauren Beatty's performance. I loved her voice. I loved hearing like the songs that she sang. Um, obviously some of them are pretty on the nose as well, but I still thought that they, they were, I would, I would like to listen to this. Mm-hmm. Like, And, uh, I really liked watching her process as skewed as it may be. Um, I found that entertaining. I, I obviously like, I, I didn't think it was a perfect movie by any means, but I thought that it was just a really original way of going about a creature story. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what I, uh, what I think I liked most about it is it, you know, there's not a, there's a lot of werewolf movies out there there's not a lot of great werewolf movies out Mm -hmm. there and uh i would struggle to call this one a great one but it is a really cool unique look at a at a monster movie
1: well and some of the intrigue that goes into it i definitely have to give it credit for as well because as as the relationship between producer and uh and talent kind of develops and there starts to be more intrigue surrounding all that stuff like it certainly isn't nothing, nothing about the construction is aloof. Like it all leads someplace. So that is, that is good. I think I, again, I would just identify like I had more problems with it. There were private problems than, than Yeah, <laughs> no, for else. sure.
0: It's a, totally understandable and that kind of stuff can take you out of it. But, uh, yeah, she's just, she's really good at, domesticating monsters yeah you mentioned that yeah, and I and, thought that that was brilliant yeah yeah, and that's the, that's what I want to see more from her in that in this vein mm-hmm. like and that's in the q and I asked her if she would do another monster movie and I guess some people were saying that she should be the one to remake Frankenstein I'm like oh, I wouldn't go that far <laughs> but like I could see a, a, a if she could do a riff on Frankenstein I would love that
1: well see that's the big thing is I mean I've, for the life of me knee-jerk reaction I don't know what that like I have nothing I have no pitch out loud out. as, no. much, as, I, as yeah. much as i'd love to pitch her and have her say yeah you write it i don't yeah. i don't have a pitch available but if she had an idea i'd yeah, be totally. all ears to see what that's yeah. all about especially if she was going to be the one writing it i would definitely like to hear yeah. that I, regardless of what she does i'm really excited to see all of the all parties like of all stars of all totally. i think are yeah, lee, Mar- very lee marshall and like
0: yeah. well uh bleed with me is just three Three actors, I think. Bloodthirsty is around six. Yeah, they're very, very. Yeah, they're very, very uh, economic. Yeah. And, Little brief, uh, brief, brief setting of Michael Ironside as well. Yeah. As a frequent collaborator with Michael Peterson, so that was nice to see. Um. But yeah, I really that was a great night. I really enjoyed both of those movies. Um. But I will say, like, I I got to give it some more time. I I my knee jerk reaction is to say that I enjoyed Bloodthirsty more. But bleed mm-hmm. with me. We like uh, I've had conversations with Jeff and John and Jay and like. The more we talk about that one the more interesting it gets so. interesting
1: okay oh and, and I'm there's there's somebody who I've been uh, a couple of friends who I, I follow on Letterboxd, for instance I don't I haven't even talked to them about the movies I've just looked at their scores and I know that we have flipped perspectives on yeah. that and I'm very curious to talk to them about that because they are people who I would have presumed to have a completely flipped like like to be on my yeah. way of thinking of things so I mean I I'm, I'm definitely open to it's I mean doing a festival
0: is a lot of movies all at once so, exactly you know yeah for sure all right, moving on to Friday night. So we had three films this night and starting out with Jumbo, which is a this is I would say is our most art house film of the festival. Um, but it's a it's a French film about a young woman who develops a relationship and a, a love for a carnival ride. And that's about the size of it, isn't it? In terms of like a broad plot, you can't really I mean, it as it is
1: a love story like most love stories especially cinematic ones if if the focus is on the relationship there's not too much to discuss because we need to spend all the time with the parties involved to appreciate the love that's supposed to be being looked in on and like this you know this relationship that we get swept up in so there it it largely has to it, it it's the oddest relationship movie
0: yeah no it it really is and uh so this was one that i knew like nothing going into uh and it's like it's easy to laugh off that concept everybody kind of does it on first glance yeah and then once you watch the movie i still have no idea how you felt about it but like this is a gut-wrenching love story it's it it, it, i I liked it very much i i I, I thought it was quite good Um,
1: it, it does a really interesting thing where I think that it is in, in, in certain terms, having a conversation about, uh, unorthodox, uh, love.
0: Yeah. Or even obsessions. Like Mm -hmm. this is like a, it's like, it. Everyone that I've talked to this movie about, they're like, oh, it sounds like My Strange Addiction, which also Jumbo's based off a true story. Have you, did you ever see My Strange uh, I've, Addiction? I've
1: heard, I've heard the title and and usually it's in like, it's almost like a punchline when people bring it up because they're talking about somebody who like, I don't know, eats tax or something yeah, like exactly.
0: that. Yeah, exactly. Or has a relationship yeah. with a carnival ride yeah. or their vehicle, which is like one of my favorite episodes. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, this movie, like I was, I was expecting it to be a little more like tongue in cheek because of the, the concept. Yeah. But I loved how straight-faced they played it. Well, and the director, Zoe Wittick I think she did... This was a first feature for her as well. Really? And that's what blows me away, because there are so many gorgeous shots in this mm-hmm. movie. And, like, I don't know. I, I fucking loved Jumbo.
1: Well, I mean, that's... I was, ta- I was talking to somebody else in the theater immediately after seeing it, and I think that it would have done a disservice to the sensation they're trying to get across to you had they spent a bunch of like energy trying to make the rest of the world quirky or any of the world quirky. That's yeah. the thing is this quirky concept oh, is I contained in that. a very grounded world. Yeah. And her, like there's, there is a lot of whimsy, but it, 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 it does feel a lot more like a cinematic love whimsy than it does like something like it. It never, it never gets, it never actually gets quirky and it takes place in this very tactile grounded world. And, and, it kind of forces you to take it on those terms, which never lets you, it never really lets you balk at the concept. It yeah. doesn't give you room. You're too close to the star at that point, And you follow her to like, you follow her around enough to know that she is on a tilted perspective from the rest of the world. But that's also where you're going to spend the duration of the picture is on her tilted perspective. And because we live so closely with her for that time, it it it, it, you you're not questioning it when you because you kind of fall in love with the with the fairground ride yeah yeah you kind of fall in love with jumbo because you see you see how beautiful it looks from her vantage point and that's exactly what you're supposed to do with a movie like this if you make jumbo a person all of a sudden it all makes sense but because it's something unorthodox it, it again on paper if you tell anybody it's a they'll kind
0: of giggle at it and like what I did and me too yeah and fuck did it prove me wrong because I I was like Kind of, this was like a little bit of a tear jerker for me like I, I got very emotional while we'll watching watch this it, movie a few
1: people walked out I don't I, I don't think you were there when it happened a few people walked out like completely wiping tears from their oh, eyes. oh really yeah
0: that's great to hear yeah because it's very I thought it was so effective mm-hmm. and I love the like without getting into spoilers the relationship between her and her mother mm-hmm. and like how that's a that's a prime example of something that could this that whole conversation could seem ham-fisted about uh but it's not at all in this movie yeah. they don't treat it like that at all but just the generational differences uh the perspective of love and what mm-hmm. it is and that's what i i loved so much about it and there's some of the scenes like the way that she she framed them up it was like she, you know that they, like they're, they're scenes. Uh, i i can't talk about it because it's spoilers but i'll talk about it afterwards yeah but there's yeah there
1: well, there's a few things in it that harken back to like a couple of other kind of forbidden love stories in it. Like that reminded me a little bit of um, uh, that Peter Jackson film, the So Heavenly Creatures, a yes. little bit. There's a few things that to do with like her relationship with. Um, like uh, the, she has like kind of a uh, she has a relationship with another person that works at the park with her. That is one that is is just her faking normal in the world yeah. and her trying to do her best to hold a facade he, up. is so her she, beard. Yeah, 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 exactly. And um, there there's some shades of that in Heavenly Creatures that I I I was reminded of a little bit. And um, it, I mean it's it's it is almost like any other good forbidden love story, yeah. largely. But the oddest. Uh, accomplishment of the film, I think, which is not to take away from anybody else in the film, is that you wind up very much feeling the presence of Jumbo. Yeah. You as as a character in the yep, movie. Totally. And it and it's and it it is it is true. Uh through the eyes of that lead performance we are able to give ourselves over to that notion and that's i mean that that is in and of itself such an enormous accomplishment but it's a presence it is there constantly there's drama attached to the
0: ups and downs
1: it's it's uh, it, it is it is an accomplishment and it's a the oddest accomplishment. Yeah, it's very very good film.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And uh, last thing I'll say about that is uh, her mom's boyfriend, <laughs> my yeah. fa- my favorite character in any of the movies of the festival. Like I I loved him so much. And somebody you didn't anticipate no.
1: really turning into such an integral part of moving the picture forward too. Yeah, right. Totally. And a much uh, uh, and I I mean just a much needed like i mean uh, you know the having having all those side characters a lot of the time is baggage but in this particular case it knew just how many people to bring in to push the thing forward in just a a very very perfect way yeah totally agree
0: all right so big thumbs up for jumbo Mm -hmm. moving on from that we had my heart can't beat unless you tell it to right and i i I
1: keep messing the title up because it's such a cumbersome title i know Um, (laughs) but but, so we had this is another one that falls under the like I suppose, tangentially a vampire film yep. uh, bracket. And I, in this particular case, was immediately knocked over by just how dour this film was. Yep. Uh, I, I know I, 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 based on what I had seen, I was understanding that this was going to be a little bit kind of veering into the kind of mumblecore area of filmmaking, I would argue, uh, I mean, like you, you brought up that Jumbo was, you know, like arguably the most art house sensibility of this entire thing. I think that that's, that's a very solid argument to be made. I think that this is not too far behind, though, yeah. because I do think that if you... This film, to me, seems very much like a lot of other vampire films to be about enabling... Well, well, about addiction and yeah. about a lot of other things of that ilk, they seem to be having a number of conversations. But in a lot of cases, um, uh, you know, the relationships of those who are maybe complicit in in certain behaviors and all that kind of thing, and the things we do for people who are suffering, and it's about all of those things. the The source of all of this pain, and it's another family film. Um, is just happens to be that there's vampiriz- vampirism in the mix. Yeah. It is a film that, um, in broad strokes, if you're looking at it, it is a film about. Um, this, this family who's living a very isolationist existence and are living just to help their brother subsist uh, as he's going through what I guess could be described as a medical difficulty. Yeah. Um, and the lengths to which they're willing to go in order to make sure that he can keep on living when he's not living a very high quality of life. And maybe making themselves and everyone else around them suffer unnecessarily in order to do that and not being able to recognize that, y- you know, at, at, at some point you have to start looking at the ethics of kind of keeping something alive that is not I- enjoying any level of quality of life. And again, it just so happens that that problem is vampirism, which is the least sexy vampirism that we've seen cinematically in recent
0: years. Yep, I would agree with that for and sure.
1: So in this particular case, it is about, this this one this this very very meek and very emaciated vampire character who cannot look after itself it is border kind of like bordering almost on invalid status um with his older brother and sister and we never really get into the backstory of how this all started but his brother and sister are his keepers and they look after procuring all of the blood for him that's necessary to keep him kicking and we prior to like really getting into any of that stuff kind of just look at this um see and I don't I don't want to say that it's uh like it's no like like we we know that there's a bit of a family background but we don't get we only really get into the what's necessary in order to kind of get things moving but it's not a um uh like a dysfunctional family (laughs) well it is though I don't know there's a lot of ins and outs about this that I I don't I see, you can tell i'm getting uneasy about it because i feel really at ends with judging the family after spending so much close time with them yeah and i don't want to say they're bad people which i think is a testament to just how affecting i thought this film was because after watching i mean you can put you know a and b together on what a family has to do in order to keep a vampire fed when he can't look after himself right they have to do nefarious things but after watching that come from a place of love over the course of an entire film i feel very reticent to like just completely say they're a bunch of monsters even though clearly they are um and we're treated to these these really really uh really depressing moments of this vampire who's kind of a grown child because he doesn't have access to the outside world talking about being able to hear children playing in the street during the day and how he 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 just really liked to take part in the world and them explaining that over and over again that he can't take part in the world, which begs the question, well, what are we doing here? It was so sad.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. this is an insanely depressing movie, mm-hmm. which makes total sense that I would fucking love it. Yeah, like I loved this film. And uh, I love the different dynamics between, you know, and I want to mention Patrick Fugit, like being the lead, I think he's one of the most underrated actors. But I also had this conversation with a couple people during the festival is that, to me, it feels like the guy has range, like he could he could do a lot of a lot more than what he's doing. But that leads me to think that he just wants to do roles like this, he wants to tackle films like this, or and um i thought his performance was amazing and so was uh i blanking on the sister's name uh but i thought that all three of them were so good uh, across the board and and again like i I feel
1: like this is this is one of the reoccurring there's a few reoccurring things over the course of this festival and one of them is there there was a lot of family films there's a lot of isolationist films a lot of family films and in terms of one that really got to the heart of this almost felt like it was sometimes bordering on like Bergman levels of melancholy like it really that, that's one of the reasons why I would it, it, it's it's a level of concern with existential sadness was this was the stuff of early art house and it and that's 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 one of the reasons why this one to me is like it it it's up there with Jumbo in terms of, I think like Jumbo Jumbo's like it, and it was really interesting pairing this right next to, to Jumbo, actually, yeah. because Jumbo's sensibility was such that it was such a unique tilt that, I mean, clearly it was for an art house audience, for sure. Yeah. This one is is more of like kind of, it, it harkens back to art house of Daisy of Yore. It's just, it, it like, they don't even really make them like this anymore. It had something about it that was so, uh, like, next next level like an existentially bothered and not in discussion because a lot of it is isn't loud. Outla- like, I mean, it is, it's silent rooms. It's not people talking about the nature of existence and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It is showing through actions, those discussions and the film uh, breathes. Yeah, really, yeah. really yeah. does. And, um, nobody gets off easy. Everybody who's brought in is brought in, in a, in a situation like any, any, if you can tell that if anyone is being focused on, they are going to be broken in some fashion at some yeah. point. And it, 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 it was, it's the, I, maybe the, maybe the toughest film of the entire festival, which I was happy to see. Yeah. Very much.
0: That's yeah. I guess I didn't really think of it that way. This was one that I I saw before and I, yeah, it was just even better on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just was so mesmerized by it. Like, mm-hmm. this is, it's without a doubt, it's one of my favorite horror movies of the year. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just it, very much my thing. It,
1: <laughs> I, I, I think that, uh, again, I brought up the mumblecore stuff. I think that that has had a really hard time finding its way into horror. Yeah. Um, I think this is unapologetically a horror movie because there's a lot of really horrific stuff in it. There's some brutal stuff in totally. this movie, but I think that this is for the life of me now. I might, I might, I might turn around in like a half an hour from now and go, oh, I forgot about that. Um, I think that this is the best utilization of that style in a horror movie that I can think of. I think that this has finally been a success because I think a lot of other pairings of those have been ill-advised i'll say yeah um and, and and a lot of the time they've been kind of i don't want to say cheeky but they've been kind of uh it's been it's been mumblecore trying to exert its like superiority over horror which i as as we've discussed on other episodes of this yeah. show i take serious exception with horror being treated as like a lesser art form or whatever and um this has this this sees a very particular amount of respect uh, and, and and sees the efficacy in 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 bringing uh, those elements and 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 the the chaos and sadness that ensues with these extreme measures. And I, yeah just I loved it. Yeah. loved it
0: so good, so, so good. Um, unfortunately, I'm gonna have to send you on your own for the next one. <laughs> this was the only film of the whole festival that I didn't see. And
1: this is the most breakneck uh, about <laughs> face of the entire festival know, which uh, is is going from, going from the saddest and most like uh, uh, kind of just like uh kind of ponderous film maybe of the entire festival into what I keep only being able to call this thing a sugar rush of a film which is get the hell out yes um which uh, see in this one I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make a meal out of this one uh this was one that i saw it was part of tiff's very limited selection of midnight madness pictures this year which which was only three movies down from oh, wow. like the usual ten yeah. um and it uh it's a zombie picture which you know automatically you're up you know you're up against it a little bit with that with me already i've already you know i complain about those an awful lot um and uh, there are some, so, so there, there, there is a conversation to be had about this picture and about me potentially just not getting it. Yeah. Um. But I know coming out of TIFF, I there was there there like I mean you, you I think I did I talk to you about this one in yep. advance. Yes, you did. Okay. So the thing of the thing about this one is it it, it is a film that I think and we kind of talked about this with Roe a little bit because it is. Uh, there, there is a very good chance. Actually, this really does harken back to that conversation about Roe because there is a very good chance that culturally I am out of the loop on this one and what I'm supposed to be getting out of it, and that is uh, the like Taiwanese the Taiwanese culture, ta- the Taiwanese culture thing, which it, it takes place like I mean immediately we're we're in um, like the 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 film opens in in uh, like a like a kind of a I, I guess a political parliament uh, well yeah it's, it's parliament but like like i think that they're supposed to be making some kind of broad jokes about what happens in parliament there and those would be entirely lost on me um like we kind of open in the middle of where the film winds up which is like a zombie outbreak which is this very very energetic boisterous very colorful again coming right out of uh, my heart uh, beats like just the complete polar opposite <laughs> on every front. Yeah, I guess
0: I didn't see it, but that I, I from knowing what I know about Get the Hell Out, that is a strange pairing. Well, well, just but even, it's a good way to wake them up. Uh, well, yeah, the but, yeah,
1: it, it is. And I, as I understand, I think that that was uh, that was the intention. But I mean, everything, even down to the costumes, all of a sudden are just like it is bright and it is brassy and it is it's out of control. And that's the whole film is just this constant sugar rush of activity and comedy and it's just everything at once for an hour for an hour and a half. And uh, as far as being what I want to see out of like uh, like like there's a lot of chaos there's in and, and like that kind of just general anarchy that comes with this type of picture. Okay, fine. Um I it didn't do anything at all for me special with that. Um I as I understand it and as it was explained to me by somebody who understands it a lot better there are a lot of things that are built into this that y- there's no way you're going to understand unless it's you know, you're culturally prepared for it because there's a lot of things to do with like uh like literally uh memes from another country yeah. that I'm not going to understand it, it would be like having somebody from another country watch like naked gun or something like that and just not get all of the touching points so I will say this. As an experience, I hate it. I really don't (laughs) like this movie. It didn't work for me as a horror movie. I did not find it funny. I just found it really obnoxious, generally speaking. Um, A couple of the leads are kind of good like they're they're like they've just got some swagger that's kind of good about them um but I mean the editing style I absolutely hate it It a very very MTV I, I guess that maybe that's an outdated reference now but it just has a very very fast because pay- even if even fast-paced editing doesn't bother me it, it it has this gross 2000s televisual editing style that really really puts me off um, I, I I don't like it in any movie, frankly. Like, I mean, there's even movies that I like that kind of as a relic of that period have it in there. Like something like uh, even um, House of Thousand Corpses, for instance, yeah. has some of that in there before Rob Zombie started thinking better of doing that, where you just do like a triple take edit of something that happens and it, it just it, horrible. Um, <laughs> this is nothing but that. It's nothing but tricks. It's nothing but bells and whistles to me. I will say that there's a chance that I'm missing some of it. That's that's the yeah. best I can say about it. But I, I, as this it, one
0: has been extremely
1: divisive. As among, as it stands, this is one of my least favorite films of the year.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm and happy it, it's the one that I didn't see. But I'm still <laughs> I still like I'm I'm definitely going to watch it when I'm able to, like when yeah. it comes out, just because I'm, i I want to see every film that we programmed. Yeah. because um, this was one of the ones that I didn't get to see before it was programmed. And, yeah uh yeah i just like i couldn't handle <laughs> another movie that night well
1: and 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 if you were like feeling tired and not ready for something else like this would not like i mean this 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 to me is just like a pencil in your
0: ear yeah i, just could, well, I, I, I knew <laughs> i knew we were doing six movies the next day so I was yeah. just like no yeah. i'm staying for the midnight on saturdays <laughs> for sure so i'm gonna this is gonna be the one that i'm gonna have to miss this year yeah. but yeah. so let's get the hell out um moving on from that i guess we will start out with saturday so he started things off with Lapsus, which uh, did you, you caught Lapsus as well? Yeah. Oh yeah, I caught them all. I got them okay. all. Cool. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those very small budget, uh, small, 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 it's a small sci-fi movie with a huge idea.
1: Well, and in and, and a lot of cases, like the most successful science fiction movies, the, the, the one thing that the budget, like, I mean, a budget can affect what you can do with a big idea. But if you can figure out how to make a big idea pop for not very much money, then you've got everything that a big production has.
0: Have you seen Primer? Yeah. 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 And that's like, the, this is <laughs> like, I yes. fans of Primer will, like, this is obviously, I'm not going to say this, this is as good as Primer or as like intellectually rich. But it's just a very it's a it's a very cool little sci-fi movie. Primer is a proving ground for that
1: as a big you know like a big idea. Yeah. Pre, uh, uh, pre uh, like uh, leading as opposed to you know needing the budget or whatever. Like that that's you know like like the idea if you can if you can pull the idea off, people will fill in the blanks. You don't need anything bigger. Like certain ideas, obviously, you need the need the budget for. But but the big idea a lot of the time is enough to carry you.
0: For sure. And this is like, I don't know how familiar you are with Black Mirror, but this I've heard a lot of comparisons and I think it's pretty apt that this is like one of the better Black Mirror episodes. Like it's just that it, it's got that feel where there's a, a new type of technology, the world's in a different place, and we're learning about it through this really interesting Tony Soprano-esque character. <laughs> like that's like probably my favorite thing about the movie is they start you off with a guy who you can learn all of these scientific things with. Because he he's, he's, has no idea what's going on either.
1: It is a master stroke in a science fiction movie about a ver- and, and about a very particular type of technology that you need to learn about as you go to have a Luddite... Be your your vehicle because he does need to slow down and have everything explained to him. Which what a godsend! Yeah, d- totally, d- totally.
0: <laughs> and that that's I think the strongest elements of the film is that uh, I I really I liked the main character and the way that it was structured. Like it,
1: it was an opportunity to have an a, like an unorthodox main elite yeah, as well because sure. he's not a regular like a, a regular lead by any stretch no, of the imagination.
0: He like he does look like James Gandolfini if he yeah. lost two hundred pounds. <laughs> Pretty much, but uh, yeah, it's it it's a really interesting movie, and uh, there's there's some really interesting character decisions at play, but uh, it and it all it all wraps up very well by the end. I think it does. It's one of those movies that ends pretty abruptly. Yes, it does. Uh, But that's kind of commonplace for these types of movies.
1: Uh, I mean, there there was a good core. I do like the some of the relationship stuff between so the so the the, the lead character this the well, the Tony Soprano ass yeah. character, um he is largely doing what he's doing, uh, in, in 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 the film his motivations are familial in another family film, yeah. um familial in nature and uh, also we get kind of an interesting side bar uh, about another kind of uh technological well it's not a technological advancement but just like a some some other stuff to feed into some future paranoia to do with his brother which is really interesting in terms of some healthcare systems stuff uh that are hopefully not in the near future for all of us um and uh, it, it largely has to do with this guy being put to work in a really unusual... It wouldn't it wouldn't serve as an audience in any way, shape, or form to describe the type of work that he's doing, save to say that it has to do with uh, a future piece of technology that has to do with communications. But I mean, even that doesn't really yeah. do... Like, it is such an involved thing. Again, again, I can't stress enough what we've already said about it needing to be... Um, explain to you as you go if you break down the actual exposition of the film that you're getting as you go it we we would be describing the film for 45 minutes because you are constantly being fed information as you go yeah it, it and it's all necessary in order to understand what the hell is going on it is very dense it's a very dense picture
0: yeah totally agree so that's a really interesting sci-fi film that you could check out if you were interested uh moving on from that we have how many do you have i think we have five left yeah going on to black bear black bear which was one of the kind of i think because
1: uh there's there's actually a star attached to this one so that always helps that aubrey plaza is starring in it
0: and christopher abbott he's been in uh like it comes at night uh what the hell else was he he's been in some stuff recently yeah Kind of catching some traction, and, but yeah.
1: And he, I, I really uh, quite enjoyed him in this. Also, uh, I don't know if you, you, you caught this or not, but uh, there's a, 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 a character later on in the picture that is uh, the same actress that... Uh, yeah, yeah, it was the same actor that was in... Uh, she's the label head in Uncle Peckerhead she's in there there's 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 yeah 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 yeah. Uh, just i just happened to notice that that's i mean that's for me and you the audience is not going to benefit from that (laughs) at all um that was just the oddest bit of cross casting i noticed. yeah because you couldn't find
0: two more different movies (laughs) yeah
1: yeah uncle Packerhead and black bear but black bear is another trio isolationist cabin movie so second time we've seen something in of that ilk but a very different style um the nuts and bolts of the setup at the very least, because there's a lot. I want to not spoil a single thing about this one. Yeah. The nuts and bolts of it are about an actress played by Aubrey Plaza, who is going away on a like kind of sort of Airbnb situation, like an artist retreat. Um, she uh she's an actor and a director writer who's maybe maybe working on a new project maybe not and uh there's a couple living at this retreat who uh we are gradually you know like introduced to why they're out there like it's not dramatic but it's just it it, it's 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 all in the presentation of the information because there's a lot uh there's a real a real deep relationship going on between the couple as as it's unveiled um we get out there and there's just immediately an enormous amount of friction going on between everyone yeah and the three uh, characters. And, it, and it turns into at least initially kind of an out loud ethics discussion basically yeah um and there's 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 uh kind of a myriad tensions going on between all the characters it's it's very much based around that to go much further than that is a very difficult
0: thing yeah and i don't want to and also i want to tell people that if you haven't yet don't watch the trailer you don't need to watch the trailer and and
1: i and i skipped the trailer good good no idea
0: and i do believe that this is coming out like it's coming out soon so it'll be on december yeah Yeah. so um yeah so this (laughs) this was the first film that i watched in the programming process Um, really the whole thing was the very first one and um It's my favorite movie of the year. Oh, wow. Really? I fucking adore this movie. And I was like fighting. I was fighting for it to get played. But then they came up about how we have a lot of other art house films being played. And um, I was so, so happy to see they got in Mm -hmm. at the last minute. And then it ended up becoming like whenever John was on on the radio or he was on CTV, they were talking about Black Bear. So I was like, hey motherfuckers uh, listen to me <laughs> I,
1: I can tell that this is the type of flick that's going to generate a lot of like for a very particular crowd that's going to get a lot of attention i think. totally and i think
0: that one of the main reasons you already mentioned is that it has a recognizable cast like aubrey plaza everyone knows who she is but uh i have never been a fan of aubrey plaza okay and she fucking blew me away in this movie i think that she was tremendous i think this is i honestly think her uh Chris, christopher abbott and uh sarah Sarah godon are all amazing in this movie i love all three of them and i think that they absolutely kill it but it's the this is just very much my kind of movie this is the kind of stuff that really excites me these days is these really sharply written character pieces among like a small group and i just feel like it was it was sharply written it was socially conscious and i just thought it was like interesting to the 10th degree and then it has like a shift halfway through which I'm not going to talk anything about but for me I can understand how that might pull some people out for Mm -hmm. me I thought that by the end of it it was just so everything was so well thought out and well constructed and I thought that the director absolutely killed it Uh,
1: I, I would agree with almost all those points I think Aubrey Plaza is I I also don't have I, I wouldn't say that I'm not a fan I'm not I don't have a relationship with her at all like I yeah. don't I know I don't know for most people she has a she's you know represented most by her work with Parks and Rec yeah
0: and that is she's it's kind of similar with Kyle Gallner who we talked about in Dinner mm-hmm. in America is that we've seen Aubrey Plaza do the same yeah. role over and over and over and over again see and
1: I've only really seen her in those parameters but I don't like I don't really watch that stuff and I haven't seen yeah. the movies she's in. Really, I think the most amount of time I spent with her was in the Child's Play remake. Oh wow! Which I thought she was fine in. Yeah, no, she was But but she's particularly good in this so as far as i know she's a really really great actor yeah
0: full stop she's yeah.
1: really really good she, yeah, in this. She,
0: she's she's so goddamn
1: good um and, and 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 then as far as like i mean it's yeah i'm just trying to i'm trying to work my way around discussing this one without giving too much away um it, it is something that uh, i i think that it, i was oscillating a little bit between kind of being on the verge of like any any film where you're kind of discussing and really making a meal out of an ethical discussion out loud not not showing the audience but actually having an ethical discussion you're always kind of towing the line a little bit of maybe making me roll my eyes a little bit they pulled back in a lot of the right places in order to make to keep me in and to like just get around my expectations about what they were planning on doing with all of that information and um so i really really enjoyed all of that stuff there are things to do structurally with the film that Left me in one way not entirely satisfied, not thinking anything they did was a mistake necessarily, but and, and maybe off mic we can talk a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, it, but but it, it like not just I, I it left me wanting in a little in, in a very in a very particular way actually. So ultimately I really did like it very much, but it just there was there was there was a few things about it that just I i would really like and i don't think that you should ever need this from the creator but i would like to have it explained to me a little bit yeah and i and i and i do think that occasionally that can read a little bit as a you know,
0: that's it, not a good it, thing if you need somebody not to explain necessarily. it but what i can say too though is that on uh, like i know you shouldn't you also shouldn't need two viewings to get a movie mm-hmm. but on the second viewing that like I picked up on so many other things, even in the first half. I can see how you would. Yeah. yeah. That come, they come into play later on and it's down to like little looks that, that Aubrey mm-hmm. Plaza makes or like little like things that Christopher Abbott says. And it's also like, it just, everything about it felt meticulous the yeah. second time around. I don't think anything was left at the chance. It just no. definitely doesn't feel yeah. that way. And uh, I don't, it's just like, this is uh, obviously i can't talk about black bear on the terror table all the time because it's not this is not a horror movie at all no not at all yeah it's not at all but i just thought it was so so interesting and so like uh i just i love watching people act (laughs) like like real acting no no these performances are dynamite there's no two ways about that yeah and i think and that's that's like almost all the movie needed and Uh, yeah, I don't know, I just, I fucking love this movie. Yeah, it's very good. I I can't, I don't want to say anything else, because I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but, um, people listen to the show, you generally know my taste, so if that sounds interesting to you, give it a look this month, because I do believe it's coming out early December. Yeah. Um, moving on from that, we have Violation, (laughs) which is just a a barrel of laughs. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I don't know about that. (laughs) No, Violation is, um... It's a rape revenge film, but it takes a very different stance and uh, it opens up, I think it opens up a very important conversation that we don't get in these rape revenge movies or in any, like, it's just not a thing that comes up as much as it should. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this movie, like, yeah, sorry, you you go ahead.
1: Oh, no, no, no. I I, I think, no, I think you were getting onto actually the core... Uh, the, the 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 core issue with this film is 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 that it addresses trauma. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think that um, uh, I I think that there there was a lot of conversation around this movie over the weekend that was, like, kind of very very broadly dismissing rape revenge films of past, uh, wholesale. And I don't know that that's necessarily something that I would do because I think some of them if indelicately, have had interesting discussions attached to them but this is different. Yeah, yeah very like, different. Yeah. And, and 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 not well in a lot of cases, yeah. but that doesn't mean they didn't try sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there is something to that, but this is a film that was by construction it, it, it is it, with without question it is a it is a rape revenge film. And I th- and, and confrontationally that and I think that especially in the climate right now I think that there isn't a lot of appetite for making that kind of film which is kind of interesting because I do think we are at a time where the uh, I, I think that the audience is maybe ready to have an adult conversation about that and uh, or, or no I shouldn't even say that I think the reason why it is as jarring as it is is because the actual components of what happens with sexual abuse are something that are actually being discussed for the first time as opposed to maybe in the 70s when they were making these kinds of movies and they were you know we were maybe like biblically uh, you know interested in the horror of all of this and understood on some intrinsic level that these things are wrong but now we actually are discussing the emotional toll and the psychological toll of this kind of real-life horror and it seems like the filmmakers wanted to bring that to the foreground yeah. for the, may, maybe the first time, like, like the, as a, as an actual focus, I can't for the life of me. I'm sure there's other, there, there's gotta be other films, but this seems to be the actual thrust of the film. Ugh, no pun intended, didn't yeah. do that. Um, but that seems to be the actual intention and focus and goal of the film, which makes it a, a very, very bold movie. Now the thing that it does with pacing though so you think bold you think you know uh, brazen and brassy and all this stuff is it's actually the opposite so and this is kind of overlooking uh, I, I feel almost a little bit rotten because there's a lot of really good performances and a lot of really good things to this movie but structurally it is still just that it is a rape rape revenge film but what it does that's different um, within the the parameters of the actual like horror elements of it is it takes a very very sober methodical um kind of procedural look at the revenge portion as opposed to being something that is maybe i i guess typically exploitive it kind of gets into the the really tough yeah, actually, hold on. What, what did I say was the toughest film, uh, My Heart Beats? Yeah, I'll take that heart- back. This is the toughest film of, yeah, of the Yeah, that's what festival. I thought, too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this one is yeah.
0: emotionally draining. It, to it, the-
1: it is. And, I, I mean, we're like again, hearkening back to Lucky a little bit, this is, I mean, obviously, this is on the nose as well, but I don't feel like I can level that criticism at it. Because uh, no. that's not, like, this is, they, I mean... I think that this gives someone who maybe is maybe ethically slippery about this type of thing a lot to think about. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what they intended. I don't I don't I don't know what anyone who would make a movie like this is maybe intending. I don't think that's the point of it. It is the emotional resonance that everyone should understand about how awful consent works. Yeah, how <laughs> consent works and how awful uh, forcing forcing your wants yeah. on someone else without that consent is and i mean i'd like to think that i'm never in the company of somebody who needs that explained to them and i also know that that's not the truth and yeah what a horrible world we live in that these movies need to happen like it, it, that, the, and, and that's it, that's that's in 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 large strokes that is what the film is because it's uh, what it does that's exceptional and i think un, not you know prior scene is it's focus on no one ever enjoying any part of the process of what goes on in this in, in this just this onslaught of bad feelings there's nothing to be enjoyed about any of this and and it's not about that it's you know there isn't anything sensational about the movie which typically that's what you would use to sell a movie like this is that you're selling it's a tabloid style of selling something there's none of that available it's only sober cold hard light of day stuff and yeah. it's a really tough movie as a result
0: yeah it totally is and i think one of the like this movie does so many things differently than others in the rape revenge sub genre mm-hmm. and uh i think the mo- most importantly it's the discussion about people close to you being the perpetrators yes and oh you know it's, I an- it's yeah. another it's another familial th- another familial story of sorts mm-hmm. it's not yeah but uh I also thought it was just very interesting on Madeline Sims Fewer, who's the co director, co writer of the film. She also stars in the film. She's the main the protagonist, um, who we get to see do some really horrible things. Mm-hmm. And uh as much as like that is like pretty much the back half of the movie, it's very it's very interesting. But I did like in the Q and A they had mentioned that the point of this movie is to make people realize that revenge might not be worth it. Oh, like, I'm glad you brought that up yeah.
1: the, 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 during the Q and A, which was very good, by the way.
0: Thank you. Um,
1: the uh, but it 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 made me recall. I feel like may if not on this show, I've discussed it on another show. One of my favorite films that advances that notion is a uh, Blue Ruin. Yeah, um, so good. Which which I think is a I, I'm I I I hope that that's a that's a cultural. Uh, point of interest that is maybe coming to pass, which is the realization that revenge is not glamorous. There's nothing yeah. about it that, although in this particular case, when it comes to like the travesty that is is performed on her, like you want to see, like it, it is the sadness attached to that, and because she doesn't get to feel she there there is no feeling better about something like this. There is there is only wreckage when yeah. it's all over. And that's – doing that to someone else is – it's the worst thing you can do because the revenge has this sensation. Like, block letters, revenge looks great and it feels good and it just – you know, like the way – especially the way we've always spun revenge cinematically. You want to see people
0: get their comeuppance. Yeah, but –
1: in in reality that is there's a futility like i mean that 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 turns into absolute existential dread because you're just chasing something that doesn't exist you don't get to feel better about something like this whereas like blue ruin i think is like a film that really uh, really explores that in a really interesting light and i think it was the first time i remember really being cognizant of feeling like that was the discussion i thought that was so important and so cool and i still do in this particular in this particular case that being utilized within the realms of rape revenge makes it so heavy and feels so it really does feel awful and it makes you like i mean i hope that that to maybe somebody who needs to have it occur to them makes them realize the gravity of this situation because it is like you know people who don't who maybe don't see what, what, you know that 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 direct line between what goes on in so-called rape culture and you know the, the the line that eventually leads to an actual violation um like they're the ones that need to maybe understand that you know like words have weight uh yeah. attitudes turn into actions all that type of thing and it like i mean i you know like it it is like you know films like you know this having to exist or having to have that conversation that exists and lucky the fact that we're still doing this is so unfortunate but Um, in this particular case, like, I mean, I, this, I mean, if you're going to get that across to somebody who needs that message, I mean, violation's a powerful vehicle. That's for sure.
0: No, I totally agree. I, I loved it. And, uh, like... I think it's an extremely powerful movie. That's what it, I meant. It, it's, crushing.
1: Yeah. it's crushing. It's crushing. Yeah. It's it, it, yeah. I I I I walk I walk back my original statement. This is definitely the toughest film of the yeah. entire festival. And
0: uh, but I still do. I definitely recommend it to anyone listening who that sounds kind of interesting. And keep in mind, I I've never been a fan of rape revenge mm. movies. I'm sure, like of course, I like like Last House on the Left. It's a mm. decent movie or whatever. But uh, It's just these are never the types of movies that I jump to. Yeah. And uh, this one had something really original and fresh to say.
1: Well, and that's the thing is, like, typically those have been in a lot of things in the exploitation kind of avenue. A lot of the time, like, really, really hard things that nobody in society wants to talk about get talked about there first because, you know, that it's, you know, border, you know, back 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 when free speech. Well, not free speech, maybe, but like when certain ideologies were. Um, more readily available near pornography or something like yeah. that like that's where you were going to find people having discussions about that stuff and so there is like uh, they have their place but in this particular case like i mean there was that's also the best place to get away with doing something deplorable just for the sake of doing it and a lot of these movies like i mean they are eye rollers because it's just like why are we even doing this exactly so when i said like i i think that dismissing that subgenre wholesale is something that's maybe i i think done often enough that i sometimes Sometimes like go like oh yeah pump the brakes there's some interesting stuff going on here that's not to say that i think that there always is because yeah. usually i mean usually it's just like a, it's a it's a scummy neighborhood to hang out in yep. there's no two ways about that
0: <laughs> yep. no no doubt all right final two so moving on from violation we have the fluffiest movie of the festival which is the paper tigers uh the paper tigers is basically it follows uh three rusty ex kung fu masters would we or gung fu i guess gung Gun, fu sorry yeah um but they they are people who grew up in like what that what do they call them A sen, no, it's not sensei
1: uh no it's something else oh oh oh, oh 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 yeah yeah it's on the tip of my brain
0: sin or oh god i can't remember it, I'm, I'm he's not, essentially their, their sensei. essentially the sensei yeah. yeah and uh he is murdered so it's all about them getting the band back together they it is a band go, back together. Yeah, Phil. it is, yeah. and uh, so the three of them they get back together to try and solve and avenge the murder of their former sensei. Right,
1: and I, 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 there's a lot going on here. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 stylistically, this one I found kind of a little all over the shop. There was there was like uh, even I, I still distinctly remember when I thought that there was a the first very jarring change of tone because i was really not digging it and then there was a joke that got me real good i actually don't remember the joke but just um when the sensei dies and they go to his funeral there was a joke that happens almost immediately upon the funeral beginning that got me really good and i was like that was a really jarring sense of humor change and it does that a lot yeah it's all over the damn place as far as that stuff is concerned and, and so as a result i think that the results vary an awful lot yeah and i which is not to say that there's some things about it that i liked very much i think that all of the leads are really charismatic i think they're really really fun people to follow around agreed but uh the 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 humor not being there's such a huge consistency issue with everything to do with this and the way they're trying to posit it like i think Maybe I'm pulling this from the the Q and A that took place afterwards, which was delightful. I really enjoyed the yeah. Q&A. That Q and A was awesome. Yeah, good work, John. But, but I definitely like that. I I believe they referenced Shaun of the Dead more than once, which oh I am God. I'm scratching my head over. <laughs> yeah, entirely. I was like, what?
0: what, what, how? They they were saying that they wanted to make a gung-fu Shaun of the Dead, and I'm like, there is nothing about this that is Shaun of the Dead, and, and I want to see that. Yeah, uh, totally. It's not what we got. But I was like, this. No, I was like, this is more like Wild Hogs. <laughs> oh yeah, you
1: were the one who said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that. <laughs> is very accurate and it also i mean and and this is never worn well by any movie it gets into that hallmark uh, oh, movie the week the territory
0: way. with the with the like schmaltzy the schmaltzy ending and like the yeah the single tear on the phone yeah, yeah all God. that stuff
1: it has all that stuff and it doesn't service the film because uh, from an actual structural standpoint it's doing fine without going into that territory, and if you take all that out, there's still a movie there. Yeah, you really don't need it. There could be some more, like I mean, if you wanted to do more of a Shaun of the Dead slant on it, uh, you would. It would be more cynical, and it would be oh, yeah. like the humor could be darker. And you know, which is not to say you need to make it like a rated R picture or anything like that. But it it just it it, it is very. Uh, Wild Hogs, could you? Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it right my, there. My
0: mom would love this movie. Like that's the thing I got it. I was like, well, it did nothing for me, but like that's the kind of movie that I could see my mom just loving.
1: Yeah, and there's, there's a, an there... audience for that. And
0: also, I think I still am happy that it was played, especially after Violation. <laughs> yeah, that that is one way to, to to wipe the taste of Violation out of your mouth. It, is that it's such a fluffy harmless movie it is but like you see
1: when you say that i don't think that it needs to be i, I think harmless, harmless almost sounds like a dig and it doesn't have to be in this case it's bordering on a dig because yeah. it just it, it is really toothless there's nothing about it that's very uh like i i
0: i, <laughs> I love the story of how it got made more than i like the movie a little uh, like bit. in the in the q a where the director was talking about this is i think this is going to be a wide release film Um, that's what they were making it sound like there's a lot about it that made me wish that
1: i i want it to be something that's the the the, the some of the components of what they tried to do with it are the type of thing i'd like to see as a wide release film and i mean like nuts and bolts i like it more than a lot of uh, other wide release films it's just it's not a good i don't think it's going to work for a mainstream audience uh in in that capacity that it's It's gonna have
0: to be majorly cut up yeah like they got to take out a lot like the like like you said I just a lot of it was very unnecessary yeah, yeah yeah and it did the story didn't need it
1: and and but I mean I have a sense that like I I have a sense that the filmmakers attached to all that stuff that needs to go though like because because it just it yeah. feels like you know when, when there's a, when there's heart in something it's very evident but when it feels like all of a sudden the room is a different color every time you make a shift over into like you know like a very like well, because there's there's one a couple of very particular relationships that crop up in the film that only exist in that schmaltz territory and they just they they need to be completely cut out now there narratively the film is missing a lot if you do that but i think they need to be readdressed at the very least um i think there's a lot of chemistry between all the actors i think they're a good team i think there's a lot there's a lot of like good things about it I, i laughed a bunch of times like there's a bunch of good gags in it it's just not i want it to be better than it is yeah
0: no i'm i'm right there with you yeah so uh yeah and then our closing film our very last film of the festival that we showed was bloody hell Uh, So I always get excited when I see a film from Australia, Mm -hmm. like I'm a big fan, like they have a really good track record of awesome horror movies, Uh, especially recently, Australia has just been killing it. But this is like a, it's a horror comedy with that funneled a monster energy drink
1: (laughs) and another, another family movie.
0: Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Oh god, I see I didn't piece any of that together. Yeah, I was thinking about it the entire weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, this one is so it's it, this is a tough one to describe without spoiling. It really is, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Well, okay. So actually you would be okay, I I will admit of everything that i missed this weekend i think i missed the first five minutes of this so i came in during the bank robbery yeah which is
0: yeah that's the that's the very beginning so it's this this guy he uh he he's not uh, the robber of a bank (laughs) he was in the bank and he essentially for lack of better words because i've seen it thrown all, all thrown around all over the internet about this movie is everyone's comparing this to John Wick which it's another one where I'm like what shut up like the, the, this is, this is nothing like John Wick
1: well, well I think that part of that is them positing that within the film because I think people actually start calling him I didn't play, do. Do yeah, that I't want they do yeah yeah and
0: yeah they make the joke out of because he's just a killing machine yeah like he's just a master um, but then he so he tries to escape he flees flees the law and ends up in the clutches of a cannibalistic family.
1: I mean I guess that's basically it. Yeah. I mean well so like Yeah, okay so it's <laughs> a so, weird uh, movie. Yeah, so 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 uh, he he uh, the, the 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 lead character is is the action movie component. He is the living sentient action movie component moving through the movie.
0: Played by Ben O'Toole, right. who I thought was great in this movie. He's very good. He's yeah. very
1: very funny guy and uh, pl- kind of playing dual roles in a way. Yeah. Um yeah, he he is he is the character who he, he brings action with him wherever he goes is essentially what's going on the film isn't you know even initially necessarily an action movie well it kind of is whatever he, he just he he wherever he goes violence ensues is kind of yeah. what's going on and he has a background that they touch on very briefly I don't know if I missed it in the first couple minutes but they kind of talk about how he has a history in the military or something like that
0: yeah well I, th- I think that was all I could be wrong because this was also a midnight movie yeah. after watching 14 other movies, yeah. <laughs> so I was tired. Um, but I could I could be wrong but that's a lot of stuff that's just explained through dialogue. Completely. Okay so
1: I might not have missed a bloody thing. I don't think you did. Um as as you're going they feed you information as they want you to have it which is kind of explaining away through just a bunch of like uh, news real exposition why this guy is a killing machine and he has like a he's I don't know if he's like black ops or something like that but he's just he's he's, he's you don't don't you know if if you were in opposition of him make sure he's nowhere near a knife or a gun he's very dangerous and uh in this yeah in this bank robbery situation he's in he he winds up in in prison for a little bit and then he upon leaving just he wants to go and live his life someplace else and through a confluence of very funny events he w- winds up in finland and as Mitch already <laughs> mentioned uh not very safe for him to be there yeah and through, through again like it, it, the type of stuff this reminded me of was a little bit when it gets really hyperactive it was bordering on being i can't remember their names but the directors of like the crank films oh yeah that's dude. exactly what yeah. i was thinking and mom and, and dad Yeah, mom and, and dad uh, yeah i
0: can't remember his name but uh or um, their names because yeah. Yeah, it's two.
1: yeah and, and and to me it had a little bit of that but a steadier hand and i think like like when those movies are fun they're fun but like they're just they're making mistakes constantly and this yeah isn't quite that out of control like it it's 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 vibrating with energy but it's not shaking so much that it's spilling its drink which is really nice because crank is just like it's too not, soon it,
0: too soon man too it, soon it was it, only an hour ago where i spoke my oh drink. oh <laughs> ha-ha. i didn't even right, do that purpose <laughs> yeah. um,
1: but it's it's a like a, 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 a couple of spots reminded me of that and actually in some of the editing like that i mentioned earlier there was some stuff in there that i didn't love maybe But surprise, well, maybe not surprising. I have no reason to be surprised. Some really good shooting, like some of the some some of the filmmaking and like just like some of the it kind of takes like visually a very moody turn when he gets to Finland and things get very dark and all of a sudden turn into a horror movie. Um, There's some really good looking filmmaking in it. Um, again, where some of that falls apart from a like, nuts and bolts standpoint is maybe in the editing room at touch for me, but n- not to the point that it's a huge problem. Yeah. And then as you're fed more information about uh, the uh, circumstances that he's landed in and it does turn it just it's not like they find excuses to all of a sudden blast you with more action movie stuff uh, as it moves forward. But it. It definitely feels more like a kind of like a survival and, and a very, very bleak survival horror movie for a, one that looked like you were going to have this guy. I think that's kind of half the point. You know, they posit him as this like untouchable action hero, but they they put him in a compromised position very quickly. And, and all of that is kind of a joy because it's one of those movies where it's working. They found a way to make a guy in a room... Uh, in a hopeless situation work for a really good extended period. And it does work the entire
0: time. Oh, it does. It does. That's my favorite part in the movie is when he's, when he's strapped. It's very good. It's the cover of the poster, but when he's, when he's tied up, like that's, oh my God, there's, there's like two moments in that where I was just killing myself laughing. It is so funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It really works. There's a lot, not unlike where we started with psycho Gorman. Great way to end the fest. Yeah, yeah. The the bookends on this thing were great. And they were two movies that were not the ones I was looking forward to the most and probably like even more than some of the movies that i really loved maybe enjoyed more like i I just just, surprised you yeah and and especially like for me these days are very long because i'm working at them um i didn't anticipate sitting down to this like frankly obnoxious movie and really really getting into it but i thought the performances were great the filmmaking was a cut above what i was expecting and th- in terms of like it being a pretty consistently funny movie i laughed a ton when it gets brutal it's got some blunt force trauma to it for sure um I, I i enjoyed it a damn sight more than i thought i was going yeah. to i actually Ditto, really man. really, d- really yeah. dug it
0: yeah i just mirror everything you just said because <laughs> yeah it, it i feel the exact same way it was a ton of fun mm-hmm. so that closes out our 2020 11th Annual Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. Uh but before we close out I wanted I asked you to come up with your list of top 3 movies of the whole festival. All right.
1: Now, bear in mind I do not think that these are necessarily in order um cuz I'm still trying to it's December already. I got to get my year-end list together. Yep. Yeah. I've this. been
0: slowly putting it together. I think
1: all three of these are going to end up on my year-end list. Yeah. Probably.
0: I'll do them in alphabetical order. Do you, do, you order. do a do you do like all movies in general or do you do one horror list one
1: no I just do all movies in okay. general. Um yep. although this year because of Fantasia I've seen so many horror movies I probably could there's a lot of stuff that didn't end up making it to the fest that I really dug that I think were maybe in contention but for rights reasons didn't end up but there's 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 a there's a batch of horror movies that haven't been released yet that played at Fantasia that I think that listeners have a lot to look forward to for I'm sure
0: writing one down right now because I want to ask you about it if you've seen it mm-hmm. uh, because I know it was potential for us but we didn't play it okay yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll 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 revisit we'll chat. We'll chat. yeah so for me
1: and i'll do this in alphabetical order uh dinner in america uh which yeah that that well I, I know that one's going to be on the year end no question yeah. about it dinner in america my heart can't beat with unless you tell it to and row those wow. are my my top three
0: we're uh we're two we, we got two of the same ones all right so hit me uh, uh, in third place, which, yeah, not a, not even... In order, eh, Dinner in America. I okay. fucking love that movie. I loved it so much. I can't wait for people to see it and uh, to hear more people talk about it. I
1: think it's going to be kind of an aftermarket hit. It's going to totally. be one of those ones that, like, it doesn't have an immediate hook. And I think it's going to be hard to get people to see it. They're not going to understand why they should see it until they're sitting down watching
0: it. And they're going to go like, oh, I wish I would have seen this in the
1: theater. Exactly, and they yeah. will have missed their opportunity. Yeah.
0: To. All right. So I got Dinner in America my heart can't beat unless you tell it to and black bear
1: uh, and yeah. i knew you were obviously based yeah. on what you said earlier i knew you were going on
0: black bear. yeah i just loved it but i love like honestly though this it, it's tough narrowing down three because i love Ro as well mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. loved row loved violation loved bleed with me bloodthirsty like there's so many great movies this year
1: it, it was it was to, a really to good say
0: year. uncle peckerhead was probably or no sorry paper tiger is probably my least favorite but mm-hmm. like even that that's still like I wasn't mad about it.
1: <laughs> like I said, I think there's a lot of nice things about yeah. the movie. Like that was one of my I think I don't know if I have a least favorite necessarily. I'd have to think about mm, Frank, I'm just Frank, saying that it don't... might be Franken Z for <laughs> me. Really? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah.
0: yeah, I don't know. I just uh I just enjoyed all the movies Yeah. to no, an extent. Uh, even the one yeah.
1: even the ones I didn't didn't dig overall, I enjoyed the experience of watching. Yeah. I don't I mean, I I I think that the the festival is something you can set your watch to yeah. every year. I do think that it, there's a there is a bare minimum of quality expectation that exists with Saskatoon Fantastic that I think because of how the amount of screenings and everything like that it's really hard to beat because it's just been you know better than anyone else. The lineup's been beat up to death. Arguments have been had, blood's been shed oh, and yeah. like it's it is the way it is for a reason. And going into 11 years I don't remember the last time like I can't remember I can't ever remember having walked out of a screening and going like what were you thinking? Like yeah. no, like even if I hate the movie, I still understand. I understand
0: why, why it's playing. Yeah. yeah. Not totally. And that is all credit to John Allison, our festival director, and Jeff Drake, the assistant festival director. Huge shout out to both those guys. You hear them on the podcast all the time. They become really good friends of mine and I'm very grateful for that. I love I'm I just I'm I feel extremely, for lack of better words, blessed to be involved in this community. And, uh, yeah, I also want to give a shout out to the programming team in Toronto, which which consists of Andrew Mack, Dara, Jade Motes, Stephen Landry, and Lisa Gallagher. And also a shout out to the Broadway staff. So, like, this was a crazy year. <laughs> it's unbelievable that this... <laughs> happened to begin with but honestly it all happened because of you guys
1: well it was a challenging year to, and and we had all sorts of anyone who attended will know that we had all sorts of starts and stops on just all manner of things we had just acts of god happening we had uh laws changing as we were going yep. and uh keeping up with it was uh it was
0: tough yes
1: yeah, tr- i will i will thank uh yeah everybody that was on in in and around the building so uh we've uh got aiden ellen luke and aaron who were in and then uh, of course the projectionists we've got uh, john and uh oh goodness oh no 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 i'm gonna <laughs> Jeanette.
0: Jeanette. yeah
1: john and Jeanette. sorry there was too many j names yeah i was making me question myself um who came in and also we should throw out to a big technical uh a bunch of technical work uh from our good friends over at pr uh productions absolutely uh, Bar- barrett ross for for helping us out there just a lot of stuff happened and and the, all of those people made made like allowed us to get through it so yeah
0: totally well, thanks so much for coming on, man. And obviously, this is going to happen a bunch uh, more times. I, I
1: say it every time I'm on here. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, whenever you want, I'm, I'm I'm I always have a blast doing the show.
0: Hell yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week on the Terror Table. <laughs>